0: Everybody and welcome to episode 284 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I am your host, Michael Raparez, and I will remember that. Who else is here in the uh, closer-together-than-ever Tyler Wilde Memorial Studio with me? <laughs> uh,
1: unwarranted phone alert, Chris Antista. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck
0: that. Uh, Matthew Guybrush Threepwood Allen, Mighty Pirate. And joining us for the first time in a long time, a uh, special guest
2: Scott Butterworth, dangerously unemployed.
0: Yes, and why are you dangerously unemployed? Because
2: I worked at Telltale until about two weeks ago. Oh, damn! <laughs> yeah, we're doing that podcast. It's the Telltale oh, podcast. Yes,
0: it was unavoidable. We actually wanted to do it last week, but there were some scheduling conflicts.
2: Yeah, that was my fault. Sorry. No, uh, you know, thanks for waiting, waiting on me. Understandable. Yeah, it was, it's been a weird. It's been a weird couple weeks. Surprisingly. It has. Who would have thought that suddenly having your job disappeared out from under you would yeah. like throw your life into
0: chaos? Especially at like one of the biggest success stories of like the past few years in gaming. It's like, man, they, uh, they revived adventure gaming and turned it into its own cottage industry.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, clearly, telltale hasn't been in you know enjoying that same level of success in more recent years but yeah i mean you look back at 2012 and walking dead season one was winning game of the year awards yeah. for this like downloadable 30 dollars. are you kidding me that at the time was completely unprecedented and totally wild and yeah that is one of those cinderella stories that i think will extend like, the test of time and it's pretty wild that we've now reached the end of that journey in such an inauspicious yeah. and in fact maybe despicable manner <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, yeah I mean, it's that's one, of, fair. one of the
1: weird legacies that it'll leave behind, um, remember there's that Resident Evil game, is it Revelations 2 that aped Telltale's release model in episodes? What? Was there I an episodic Resident Evil game? Yeah. I mean, Hitman like,
3: from a few it, years ago aped. Hitman did, Hit did sure. that too? Yeah. yeah. Well, well
1: no, just but like this city, Resident Evil, Sony like model. you could buy the whole thing at once too. They just thought like, well, Telltale has zombies and they're really big. Let's do that. I, I don't know <laughs> that for a fact. Revelations 2, yes. Revelations 2, yes.
2: To me, the clearest, um, copy of the telltale model is life is strange like that very clearly is let's just make a telltale game (laughs) and they did a good job like that that life is strange is a very strange it's in my mind it's like two totally different games merged into one game there's like this coming of age high school story merged with this like weird psychosexual killer drama and like they don't really mesh at all but i still enjoy that game and in my mind that is the clearest you know facsimile of the telltale model
1: (laughs) Clearly, you haven't played the Sony exclusive War for the Planet of the Apes game that I think disappeared.
2: <laughs> Boy, that looked like it was going to be cool, and yeah. it super wasn't. You were one of the <laughs>
1: first people to ever stream that, Chris. I, only I, th- I see it's in it's in my library locked, and I don't know why. Did it huh. ever come out? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it launched.
2: launched the Andy Circus thing from just like like a year ago. Not even that. Yeah, yeah, like a year mm. ago.
0: Yeah. Mm. Mm. But yeah, Telltale, yeah. Super Dead, wow. So can you, can you talk a little bit about like what the mood was? Like did you guys see this coming or? Yeah.
2: Well, and I guess I, I should, should preface this and, and the podcast in general as like, I would love for this to be more of a celebration. And we're definitely going to get yes, into like absolutely. the games and stuff later, but like it makes sense to address the elephant in the room up front. So yeah, like again, I was, uh, i worked at Telto for about 18 months. Uh, and then, uh, not last Friday, but the Friday before that, I believe the 21st, we were called to do a company meeting. Uh, with like no real warning, which is like, Hey, we need everyone to gather in about 30 minutes and we'll see you there. And there was no indication of what the meeting was about. It was pretty clear from the mood that like, Oh, something's up. Like we nobody really knew what, but like something bad was going on. Um, and in that meeting, they said, Hey, so, uh, we've reached, I believe the CEO's, uh, choice of words was we've reached the end of our journey, which is oh like God. kind of a frustratingly wow. euphemistic way to introduce that meeting oh. um, and then went on to explain that, you know, uh, as of that day, the vast majority of the staff was being let go, that there was going to be no severance, that uh, health benefits and everything like that was going to last through the end of the month. So for most people, that is now already expired because we're, we're now in October. Um, so I was in a very weird position where I was actually kept on an extra week. So I was there a week longer than a lot of people. I was one of the last remaining 25 that got talked about oh. in the news. Yeah. I think they basically kept me on to help with like, cleanup like messaging and stuff like that i was the um communications manager so i was there to kind of i think facilitate some of the messaging around here's what's actually going on and unfortunately like we never had a whole lot to message and i was just kind of in this weird limbo for a week of wishing i had more answers i could share with people and never actually receiving those answers or finding a way to talk about what was actually going on so that was extremely weird but i'm now done and yeah going back to that that day it was um it was tough, man. Like, like there were audible gasps when, when they said there was going to be no severance. So people were in tears. People oh. were kind of like immediately on their phones outside, like smoking an angry cigarette and like calling whoever they needed to call. Like it was bad. Like it was really, really dark. And like, yeah, everyone cleared out really fast. Um, they were allowed to come back on Monday to grab a lot of their stuff. And that was a weird mood as well with the following week. Um, but yeah, it was about, uh, as dark and sad as, as a situation I've ever been in professionally. And I've actually been at like magazines that have closed down before, so I've been through something similar, but just definitely not on this scale. And not somewhere like Telltale, where there was a really strong love for the company. I mean, I don't think there was necessarily a strong love for the leadership that existed, but Telltale as an idea, Telltale as a studio, was, I think, deeply loved by the people that worked there. Um, it was a really amazing place despite its flaws, and there were some really amazing people that worked there, and so losing that in you know a split second like that was extremely tragic and heartbreaking and especially galling uh in, in the situation that it left most of its workers in I and mean, we were talking before we started rolling about how a lot of people that work there are you know have families to support and now not only did they not have uh, an income they don't even have benefits anymore and they're just left you know like are they gonna have to relocate are they gonna be able to secure an income in you know before they reach financial ruin like it's it's really frustrating to think of the situation that a lot of people have found themselves in, and I'm fortunate. I don't have a family support. I'm in a pretty flexible place, but it's not true for everybody. So yeah,
0: that's that's dire. It's
2: uh, it's real dark, and it was real bad day of, and it's been uh, a bit of a roller coaster since then. Where I will say that the one silver lining here is there's been a very strong sense of solidarity among everyone who was laid off. Um, people rallied on Facebook really quickly. Uh, they've been communicating, and mostly it's just been people sharing job openings with each other and and trying to help everybody through it. Um, everyone's been really positive and proactive in a way that's like kind of like brings tears to your eyes to see everyone being you know pretty resilient and and really just being positive and wanting to help each other hmm. that's been the overwhelming attitude that I've seen and experienced. Um, and there have been, you know, a few get togethers after everything happened where people have kind of commiserated and, you know, shared horror stories of stuff that they've experienced or seen over the past year that kind of maybe in part contributed to where we ended up as a company. Um But for the most part, it's just been really positive and, and people just trying to help each other. So that's that's been nice, despite, you know, the circumstances. So that's good. That's that's sort of where we're at.
0: And I know we have developers who listen to this, so uh, if anyone's looking for a comms manager...
1: Yeah,
2: hire me. I'm
1: looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actively looking. See, so you, you should have stuck around after the meeting, because uh, during the credits, you got to see all the decisions uh, good company. <laughs> <laughs> <And Shit.
4: laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> That's,
5: that
1: is a super good joke.
2: You're an asshole, but that is <laughs> very funny.
1: There will be no four hundred days following this season. Oh, that's a oh, that's Still, keep getting,
2: Listen, you had us. You had us with the first one. You I know. Like, I know. What am I doing? <laughs> Push it to you.
1: What am I? Do, what am I doing? It just. I was, um, was good though.
2: Was also, you can also do the. Uh, you know, we everyone. Everyone in that room will remember that. we Will remember mm-hmm. that. Oh, oh, it's
1: just. It's just such a fucking bummer. Like I don't know. I I don't know. I don't even know how to like come back. I just see people like angry, and I understand being yep. angry. Are you angry?
2: Well. You know, I, I was saying again before we started rolling that for me personally, I've just kind of been ping-ponging through a whole range of emotions since it all happened. I mean, mostly I'm just exhausted, but yeah, I've absolutely had periods where I was just completely enraged just thinking about, you know, how did they let this happen? How did we get to this point where the reality was, hey, we have no money for severance. We have nothing else. We have no backup plan. Like, how? Like how? how? Yeah. Um, but I've also just felt a great deal of remorse. Um, Like, I I joined Telltale on purpose. Like, I was a fan long before I ever started working there. I was bugging my former boss for a job for years before I actually got hired, because I just really liked what they did. I mean, The Walking Dead Season 1 is still one of my favorite games. Wolf Among Us, Tales from the Borderlands, like, that is my shit. I love those games, and like... I loved being part of a studio that was so focused on storytelling. That's always been a real focus for me, something I've always really loved. So getting a chance to participate in that was hugely important to me. Like that was that made my career, as, like a highlight of my career for sure to be able to sit in the room with people and talk deeply about story and like be taken seriously and to see my input reflected in the games sometimes. Like that was huge for me. Um so to lose that for like not only because I worked there but because I was a fan right for telltale to simply yeah, yeah, yeah. not exist anymore is tragic like i hate that i hate that we live in a world where there's just no more telltale
3: well can you talk about like how does it exist at this point it's it is this it's just in this weird limbo fa- phase where we know they still yeah. have some employees like skeletal crew that were really there working on the the minecraft uh, netflix thing to get that out the door and yep. and and, and, and the games are still up on many storefronts and still technically selling and kind of bringing in cash, which we assume will be used to pay off creditors and whatever bills they it have. That seems like a like very that. safe assumption, mm, yeah. yes. Um, but yeah,
2: what is,
3: is the, is it a
2: bankruptcy officially? Is the company just gone or? Um, so I don't have a ton of like concrete insight to share here. Um, which is pretty wild, considering I was one of the skeleton crew who got was left behind. Like I was one of the twenty five. I mentioned.
3: Said you had to message this. Yeah, right? um, and I've, I've
2: been, you know, officially my last day was, um, I guess technically it was yesterday or Monday. What is what day is today? It was Monday. It was two days ago. Yeah. Um, uh, so I am no longer there. Wow. Um, and uh, uh several other folks who were part of that 25 have also been let go since then. Like our community manager was was also part of the 25 and she's no longer there. Two HR managers were part of the 25. They are no longer there.
0: I like that that's infamous enough that you can just say the 25 and yes. Yeah, we well, that all was all <laughs> – It's like the 300.
2: <laughs> that was part of the sort of messaging when we, when we officially confirmed that, yes, the rumors you're hearing about Telltale closing down are true. But to your to your question, though, is this a bankruptcy, what's actually going on, it seems like they're making a pretty nuanced argument about what this actually is. Mm-hmm. They've referred to it very specifically as a majority studio closure, mm-hmm. and I would expect that this will eventually result in a full studio closure, but so far they have not said that, and I don't have any insight to confirm whether or not that is... The eventual plan, I honestly don't know. It's funny you keep referring to it as a
3: studio because I would, I with recent years, Telltale to me is a publisher. Like yeah, yes, that's there, that's there's fair. an internal studio, but I think that's that was a unique part of the corporate culture, which is why I bring it up. Right? It's, I think a lot of folks there. I mean, you are this weird hybrid. You're you're both a dev and a publisher and, yep. and for those that are familiar with the industry those are two very different things right like publishers distribute games they market games they message games uh, you know like they have PR departments and things like this whereas devs are creating the games and Telltale it sounds like they let you do a little, little bit of both like you were in meetings and like you said they were taking your ideas and putting them in the stories of the games and that's well, Super I, unique. I don't want to take
2: a lot of credit. This yeah. was mostly a lot of really so talented Scott writers. Scott wrote and the last
0: several <laughs> yeah. seasons of uh, <laughs> of everything.
2: There, yeah, I I was always um, amazed that people would like sit there and listen to me. It was always so nice when they let me be like, well, what if it happened this way? Like, you know, because who the fuck am I really? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Telltale was a really unique company in that way. It was a true developer publisher hybrid. I mean, it very much did both. It was doing most of that stuff in house. Um, yeah, so it was not a very unique position. Um, yeah, uh, to, to backtrack to another one of your questions, I mean, as you pointed out, the back catalog games are still available. Uh, I think the biggest question on everyone's mind, which I also don't have an answer for, is what the fuck is going to happen with The Walking Dead the Final Season? It was supposed to be a four-episode series, and so far only two episodes have released. Yeah. Uh, we still don't know the fate of three and four. Uh, as, as There was an announcement on Twitter, as you saw, where they are pursuing some kind of scenario where three and four get completed. Again, I don't have any insight that I can share there beyond what's already publicly available. My understanding, or at least what, you know, based on, you know, whispers that I've heard, I believe the idea would be to essentially hand the game off. It wouldn't be telltale finishing it. It would be telltale facilitating some other company finishing it. And one would hope that this other company would bring the original team back especially since the game was supposed to be done, the final episode was going to be out December 18th, so they were very close to done. Like, we were three months away from this being publicly released and completed, so in theory, this is a very completable project. Will it ever happen? Who will do it? I have no idea. Um, and, And honestly, the longer it takes to Come to a decision or come to an agreement or an arrangement, the, the less likely it is to happen because those people are actively looking for jobs. In fact, I know yep. that the art director on the project has already taken a new job. Um, and good for him, he's a super talented and amazing guy. Mm. And it doesn't surprise me that he was hired very, very quickly. But that means that, hey, no art director. And I'm sure that there are other people who are also working on it who could step in and fulfill that role. But yeah. the longer it goes, the more people disappear. And honestly, it's not a great situation with the devs either way, because as much as they are committed to this project, and as much as I know, just personally talking to them, that they want to see it through to the end, it would still be putting them in this position where, hey, you want to take a two-month contract gig that you know is going to expire just so you can finish this game? Like, that's not great either, and I'm sure that a lot of them would do it just because they're committed to their work, but it still sucks, so yeah. we'll see. Like, I have no idea. I, I honestly, it, like, I... You'd think that as someone who was there, I'd be able to tell you, "Ah, here's the inside scoop." But like, I don't know either, man. So but it doesn't, we'll, so, it doesn't we'll sound we'll like they see. know.
1: They know either. Yeah, I think point. it's getting
2: worked out right now. And, and, <laughs> I, and, and yeah. like, I didn't.
1: What I didn't know is that like just the fire under their ass that that window is shrinking to get that done.
2: I mean, I would assume, again. Those people are looking for jobs, man. So every yeah. the longer it takes, the more those people have been secured by some other studio and they're gone
0: it it would be nice if they could get the funding to hire everyone back in to finish it and maybe then give them severance i I don't know maybe if they had an investor who'd recently come into some three million dollars who was the (laughs) assistant of a uh, studio head (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah oh yeah i heard about (laughs) that i was gonna bring that Um, up where's that guy Yeah, uh, I don't know.
2: Uh, do, you, do you do you want to segue into that? Have we have we covered uh, we, we, Telltale yeah, sufficiently? We, have, we haven't
0: really reached that point yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Just well, wanted to it, say something snarky.
2: No, no, no. But that's it's a really funny and bizarre story. So I'm happy yeah. we we're going to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we yeah we should we should wrap on the Telltale thing. I feel like I've been
0: talking I about mean, it forever. No, no we no, want to give it, you it, the It's platform. it's it's a tragedy yeah. of the it's, industry. Sucks, I don't think we should brush that under the carpet. Like no, it's awful what happened. I mean, we're dedicating an episode. It was John dropping. Yes, yes.
3: We don't we don't always do that like there's a lot of, uh, sad to say there's a lot of bad news in this industry and we, yeah, we yeah. rarely say we're gonna do a whole episode uh, we, I guess we should get to I mean
0: what is this episode about so this this episode um, will be about uh, the top five moments in telltale games uh, mm-hmm. as chosen by us after some very brief discussion uh, obviously like for you and me Matt there's some gaps in our knowledge. Not for Scott. He's played absolutely everything. He's the world's foremost expert on (laughs) strong-backed
3: people. Like we said, he wrote most of the games himself no one else was involved. And and directed. And directed. Oh, there it is. And directed. Okay, good. Fired
1: everybody. Bought a boat with the Severance. (laughs) (laughs) That's where the Severance ran. I got that yacht. Fuck you guys. It's called Severance. (laughs) (laughs) Severance (laughs) 2.
4: Yes. It's got a
1: smaller yacht inside of it. Uh,
2: That's
4: Severance
1: (laughs) 1. A smaller yacht Yacht with a name of You Will Remember Yacht. Yacht. <laughs> That's Lil Yacht. That's really dumb. I'm Lil- sorry.
0: <laughs> no, I got it. I got it.
2: We're mm. dumb. We're dumb idiots. It's a dumb show.
3: <laughs> but yeah, we figured you mentioned you wanted this to be a celebration. What better way to celebrate Telltale than go through the top five moments in Telltale history? And I'm going to be, Michael, you said some gaps in my knowledge. That's being generous. I've only played all the way through, like, two Telltale games. That's fine, um, that's fine. And, but I, I intentionally didn't want to research, I want to be the guy that just gets completely spoiled this episode, <laughs> and I want to watch these moments or listen to these moments and get my reaction in real time, like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I want to be that guy right now. So that's my role in this, because I didn't have to do any research to do that. So yeah. that's
1: <laughs> and uh, I, I had a tough time because, um, and this is what one of the things I loved about Telltale, it's a unique problem for me, uh, I use them as my go night night drink drink games. Cause I don't like to <laughs> I don't like to play games if I am messed up at all. But like with Telltale, it was like a kind of a neat little episode of television you could interact with yeah. from time to time.
2: Diminished dexterity does not uh preclude you from mm. enjoying yeah. a Telltale <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, it's
1: true. It's true. So I, a lot of them I would I would go home and they would it would be the thing I did an hour before I went to bed after being at a bar all Saturday.
2: Yeah. And, and All amazing. Saturday, you're an ambitious guy. I am. I
1: am. I like to start early, start getting tan in this parking lot. Drink uh, early, drink often, kids. Yeah. Don't tell yes. us about the thing you did five minutes before going to bed, please. <laughs> What's that? I, what, what, I can't rub one out The story mode? <laughs> uh, you didn't have uh, to it say blocks. it. We could have implied I like, it. I like Patton Oswalt's voice. <laughs> <Stephen>. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? That's I, one of the, I'm going to interject
2: here with just a weird quick Telltale thing. I don't think people people realize how much famous voice talent is in Telltale games. Like, there are a yeah. shitload of really famous people yeah. that did voices, yeah, like, including Patton Oswalt, just one example. Um, Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, uh, Paul Rubens is the yep. villain in Minecraft. Really? Like, yeah. Wow. Pee Wee Herman. And he's great. He's great at it. It's It's bizarre, man. <laughs> He says that the whole time. That's the Arr! whole game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, and I wanted to throw one other thing out because Matt had mentioned he wants to be the guy that gets spoiled. So talking to Michael about this today, I think we've actually picked mostly picked moments that aren't super spoilery because yeah. we know there's, people there's are a, sensitive to there's that.
0: There's a couple that are, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll you. give you a warning. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This is this is really weird for me too because like I still remember when Telltale got started. I was working at the newspaper in Marin County. So they were like in my backyard and it was just like this group of upstart LucasArts developers are trying to bring back the developer or bring back the adventure game after these layoffs at LucasArts and they want to continue, uh, Salmon Max, the sequel that was supposed to happen and Full Throttle and all this stuff and it didn't quite pan out like that but I still remember like getting emails from them saying like hey guy in the newspaper who reviews video games why don't you review our poker game and like because I don't understand poker
4: but <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I did, they did give them some kind of shout out like that, that was their very first game and then I think they they kind of parlayed that experience into doing Poker Night at the Inventory which was a great series they did that right yeah yes? that's, that's okay. correct
5: featuring Brock Samson yeah and I think Clap that Trap mm-hmm.
0: and Tycho from Penny Arcade what well, was that was the 2 I think that was a sequel I mean they they all yeah. blend together in my head so
2: yeah that was that was a sequel and from what I understand that engine is still still exists somewhere like the poker mm-hmm. engine is the thing that they built and it still exists on someone's computer somewhere uh, although now that computer I'm sure will be like sold at auction or something oh but- yeah probably
0: <laughs> And, and yeah, then then it was from there to the Bone series, which only lasted two episodes, and then they switched over to Sam and Max, and I went in to interview them when that happened, and I'm like, so what's going to happen with the Bone series next? Like, we're just focusing on Sam and Max for now. Yeah, I mean, you brought up—we brought it up last week, too. Like, uh, the shame is Telltale did kind
3: of—it was the phoenix that arose from the ashes of LucasArts in many ways. Yeah. And so now— that has gone down. So it's hopefully, for another Phoenix. hopefully, yeah, something else will rise. Well, you
2: Phoenix. could argue that Campo Santo is already sort of the natural Bad. heir, is that was you know Sean Vanaman, who was um, oh, largely yeah. credited as being the you know driving creative force behind season one of The Walking Dead. That's his. It's his studio. It's his baby. Um, so if you loved. What Telltale did well, I guess maybe they're the natural alternative, um, and I'm sure that Telltale folks will go on to do amazing things. Again, like this sounds, you know, like so cliche, but genuinely, there were some incredibly talented people there, and I, I do really believe that they're going to go on and, and make amazing games, even if it's not at Telltale.
1: No, I, I think I I understand people being disappointed and angry with the situation, but like I do think when the dust settles, Telltale's contribution will be this incredible. Approach to story that just told every single game developer out there you're doing it wrong and always have been. Yeah, and you don't you don't have to have like uh, branching storylines or anything like that, but like a real story can exist inside of intera- yeah. interactive yeah. product. We'll make you cry. Watch.
2: I've actually was talking to someone recently about. I mean it was no secret that Telltale was not in super great financial shape and that our games were not selling like they used to. And I I have, you know, a few, there are a few reasons why, but I think one of them might be that the rest of the industry kind of woke up to, Oh, Hey, like what if we made stories not shitty? Um, and I think Telltale (laughs) may have been at least partially responsible for that. they, the rest of the industry saw walking dead season 1 winning a bunch of game of the year awards in 2012 and went hey you know what what if we hire writers like early in the process and make them a, yeah. an integral part of the development cycle and make story like a built in part of our experience and not just something that's tacked on at the end to try to make a bunch of missions make missions make sense <laughs> yes. like so i think I, I mean maybe that's giving telltale too much credit but i would like to believe that to some degree telltale forced the rest of the industry to give a shit about storytelling in a way that they didn't before
3: I'll play devil's advocate I think it either did that or as we see with a lot of games they just said yeah you're right fuck it we our stories are terrible we're not going to put any story in this game (laughs) and you just end up with like multiplayer only like no non-story yeah Yeah,
1: which is fine yeah pubg is great I love yeah uh, you know yeah yeah you can see that absolutely well we'll
0: dive into our favorite moments in telltale's storytelling adventures uh, right after this
6: (laughs) Let's get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com/LaserTime. It supports not only this show but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. <laughs> yeah,
5: it's like, so I would like I would take the cup they gave me and like just. Do it wherever, uh, whenever. I think maybe in the morning. I can't remember really. I come and in. Like, I, I'm like, I had to use this big gold. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but oh, boy. but I would, uh, <laughs> I would put it in uh, like a paper bag. Sorry, this now it's time a, for me. Yeah. To guess. <laughs> <laughs> but like we have like a shit ton from having a child, like a shit ton of like uh, paper bag lunch bags, and so I just put <laughs> it in How that. Did you write on top of it? Shit ton of cum. Don't no, open. No, no. You're do you you eat. You're interrupting <laughs> this Sorry. great yeah, part okay, of the okay, story. You're interrupting this great part of the story so I put it in a paper bag just to like not feel like an asshole and like uh, multiple times I'd bring it up to the front desk and I'm like yes I have a um, <sighs> sample for Dr. Crawford and the lady was like is it urine or the other <laughs> and so like I, I it, it, what that would cause me to do is like I would glance around and I would just be like the other I, you know? I would have gone like <laughs> It's a bit of a combo. <laughs> <It's> a <laughs> <it's> a <laughs> Let's just say I was coming here this morning. It's the, it's the other animal style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get Bonus Time,
6: a weekly, uncensored, and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash And
0: we're back with what, Chris? Uh, top five telltale moments. Aren't you glad I make you do that every time now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I
1: started paying attention.
0: Good, good. <laughs> <It> works. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of specific, uh, really cool moments to drill down into. Um, some of them were game defining. Some of them are just kind of like, man, I, I, if, even if I don't remember anything else, I remember that. Yeah. But let's jump in with. Number
5: five. As you're well aware, I'm the most beloved president in history. So I just assumed I'd be running unopposed.
0: Oh, no,
6: you didn't. You ain't all that.
5: I freed the slave.
6: I was star of a popular television sitcom.
5: I'm on the penny.
6: I was on TV.
5: Now, gentlemen,
6: we can resolve this like adults through moderate reason debate. Very well, then.
5: In the spirit of democracy, I say, bring it. good old Abe
0: yeah this is of course uh, from Sam and Max I think season one uh, Abe Lincoln must die was the name of the episode (laughs) and in this the the president has been revealed to be like a hypnotized robot clone of George W. Bush and so as an emergency measure a giant robotic Abraham Lincoln has risen from the Lincoln Memorial to take over and uh, Sam and Max have to stop him by engaging him in a debate
2: so they predicted twitter basically
0: kind of yeah yeah but they they explain the debate format in
1: the republican corner we have the giant animated statue of abraham lincoln
6: and representing the random violence and destruction party there is the hyperkinetic rabbit-like creature known as max acting as completely impartial moderator for the debates will be Sam.
3: Totally impartial. How much would the Republicans love to have a giant robotic
0: statue of Abraham Lincoln at this point? <laughs> They're building it right yes. now. 2020. It's going to step in as vice president. Yeah,
2: Abe Lincoln Cyborg 2020.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: but, yeah, it's – it's to call this a debate is uh, kind of a misnomer because what it really is is that uh, you – like the, the Abe Lincoln robot is using cue cards. So if you go up and shuffle them around, switch them uh, – he will say interesting things, and, uh, for example, Where do you stand on religion and schools? Two wrongs don't make a right. Did
5: we hear that right? Lincoln just came down against both religion
6: and education. Wow, that's gotta hurt him in the poll. <laughs>
0: There's one cue card that just says, like, free home delivery. And so you ask them, like, how are you going to deal with toxic waste? (laughs) Free home delivery. And now that's, like, literally their talking points.
3: Yes.
0: (laughs) But the the end result is that uh, with every question that Abe fucks up, uh, the polls go down and support for Max somehow increases. And Max gets elected president of the United States. And Lincoln, it turns out, is a very, very sore loser.
5: You've got to be me, you idiot! He took the
6: news much better than expected.
5: Democracy. I will make you all my
6: hypnotic
0: slaves. <laughs> <laughs> Just love Abraham Lincoln shooting eye lasers.
2: Why not? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't but, love Abe Lincoln eye lasers?
0: Yeah. And I, I think you know we had to put Sam and Max in here somewhere. Obviously, I think this is. Now, number one, that's one of the most memorable moments from the first couple seasons of Sam and Max, and it's also, like, emblematic of, of, uh, kind of, Old Telltale, pre Walking Dead Telltale, before yeah,
3: early Telltale. Yeah, yeah. these the, are the games I play more of. Like when I say I didn't play a lot of Telltale, it, I'm more talking about just the straight up narrative games. I played a few of those, uh, but yeah, I played a lot of the adventure games, including Strong Bad's games for cool people or whatever. The, the actual cool game was. for attractive yeah, people. The, the, I think the, it the Strong was. Bad game. Yeah,
2: Michael got it right.
0: Yeah. And there was a Monkey Island, uh. I played the yeah. Monkey Island games. Tales, Tales of Monkey Island. Yeah, from Monkey Island. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre after, other than Tales from the Borderlands, they shifted from comedy to drama almost entirely.
2: Yeah, and actually, yeah. um tales was maybe the only example i mean the minecraft series was actually pretty comedic as well it was much lighter but by and large yeah it was all harsh dramatic games and i will say that i remember um talking to people who had worked on tales and they they explained that it was such a relief to be back on comedy uh because drama can really wear on you after a while (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think you guys hinted at something that i think is um maybe self-evident but maybe not just the idea that There were almost two telltales, and there was this watershed moment in the middle Mm. when Walking Dead happened, and then from there it was like, oh, well, let's just double down on that and let's keep doing that. But prior to that, there was this whole other era that that people who have just grown up on Wolf Among Us and games like that may not even remember. So it's actually fascinating to me that you guys were more... Keen on those games than the newer stuff. Generally, people I talk to about Telltale just want to talk to me about Walking Dead or games mm-hmm. like that. Well, I
3: was because I'm old. Like, I yeah. grew up on the original OG adventure games, like LucasArts stuff. And so sure, for me, sure. I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is those games, but with like way better production values and, you know, like the animation was better and, yeah, the, and yeah. the audio yeah. and all that. And I mean, it, it was like, hey, what those games, what, what I would have expected them to become, you know, in modern kind of game industry. So.
1: And I should say, Scotty, not not me. I'm Walking Dead onwards. <laughs> <All right. laughs> me and you, Chris.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, I, I I have fond memories of the earlier Telltale games, but I think if I'm being brutally honest, like I got kind of burned out on Sam and Max because I reviewed it episode by episode for Games Radar. And it got to the point where it's like the the stories change, but I feel like I'm just rehashing the same points over and over again because it's it's mm. like reviewing segments of the same game.
2: Yep, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something we struggled well, all
0: with way. all the way to the end. <laughs> let me tell you, and that's yeah, why I would, it's, it's better probably to review entire
1: seasons rather than individual episodes.
3: Yeah, good thing they fixed that right away.
1: Scott, you worked at Telltale and as a reviewer. Yep, uh, are the games review proof? What do you mean when you say review proof? Because you can't really review uh, like a, just a, a, a Telltale game based on a single episode.
2: You know you raise this
1: is an interesting
2: thing that we debated about internally quite a bit, and actually, we saw different publications treat it very differently um interestingly, I never actually reviewed a telltale game. I don't know how that happened, but in my time as a professional reviewer, which was like many years, I somehow never reviewed a telltale game, but that that aside, um we talked about this internally, like how do we you know does it? Do we, do we send codes to everybody for every episode? Like, we, we need kind of the boost. We want to, like, promote the game and we have multiple opportunities to do that with each new episode. So, we should probably send people codes, but at the same time, like, if, you know, the, for the walk into the final season, for example, the, the last ongoing series we had, it was very much a story in parts. It wasn't what you might refer to as bottle episodes, where, you know, the, the episodes needed each other to make sense. It was an ongoing right, yeah. story yeah. that, like, the end of episode one dovetailed directly into the beginning of episode two. There's and it was, continuity. And it was going to be, there was going to be continuity all the way to the end. So, if that's the case, doesn't it make more sense than, as a reviewer, to review the product as a whole? And, in fact, can't it almost hurt the product if you're only viewing portions of it without knowing what the Mm -hmm. hold is going to be there's i think interesting points to be made on both sides there but again it's definitely something we discussed internally and that we saw uh, handled in different ways externally by different outlets
3: you know this relates to actually something i just kind of remembered is telltale one of the things they were kind of trailblazers in was season passes like the term season Mm -hmm. pass is because of telltale seasons yeah they literally invented that yeah and because in in the business case there like you said When you market a game, you want to kind of build up like a fervor pit, you know, like people really talking about this thing right around that initial episode one release. And so that's when you're going to capture the most attention, the most eyeballs on your thing. But if you can only sell them part of your total game, it becomes progressively harder to keep selling those future episodes. And so the season pass, you sell them the episodes in advance. It's like, hey, you're excited now. Buy this thing now. And then you don't necessarily have to play the future episodes. Like, but well, we've gotten your money for all for, the, for mm-hmm. the
0: entire season. And they'll show up automatically when you're ready for them.
2: It, so this is, uh, for a very long time, Telltale actually continued to sell both individual episodes and season passes. In, until? This, until this season. This, yeah, this yeah, we did not sell individual episodes of Walking Dead the Final which Season. Which
3: became awkward when the future of Eps 3 and 4, oh, yeah. and they had to remove the season pass from storefronts. Because it's, they... Yeah, you you have to fulfill a commitment. If you say I'm selling you four four eps in this season, and then you only can deliver two, like you you can no longer sell that
2: thing. Yeah, and so again, like we we put up you know a mess this, that message went up while I was still there, and, and the message did indicate that hey, so you know these will pr- most likely return to the store in some form, but what will dictate you know when and how is. Do we actually see a three and four? Because I could envision a future, and this is just me guessing, this is not based on inside knowledge or anything, a future in which they decide, well, shit, like three and four isn't happening, but it doesn't make sense for one and two to never see the light of day again. Maybe we'll put them back up as individual episodes and everyone who bought a season pass gets refunded or whatever. I have no idea. There are a number of ways this could play out, but Mm. yes, it is sort of awkward and unfortunate this was the season they picked to not sell individual episodes and only sell season passes.
1: (laughs) Oof, Jesus! Christ. Yeah, it's
2: messy. It's real <laughs> yeah. messy, right? It's. I mean, uh, that's
1: that's the thing that we were talking about last week is that also that Telltale's business model is all wrapped up in licenses, which come and go, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, I, I I do as angry as I am at them for how they treated my buddy Scott and his friends. Thank you. Uh, I, I I did like the vibe of the company in terms of their their product. I really did, and I'd like to see them exist again. And I would like to see yeah. some of those games. I'm buying Back to the Future secretly right now, um, <laughs>
2: before I can't anymore. Hmm. Chris, if you if you need codes, I still have some codes.
1: <laughs> oh,
4: thank God!
0: <laughs> thank God! Yes, that was part of my job. I was the codes guy. Nice. I did. I did want to talk briefly more about Salmon Max. Yeah, yeah. We move on. Just we yeah. totally got sidetracked yeah. there. Sorry. No, no, no that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, but yeah, very. Very silly series, obviously. There is a happy ending in that, you know, Abe Lincoln, giant robot, goes on a rampage. That Uh, is happy, yeah. Yeah, you have to bring him down. But his, his severed head moves into Sam and Max's neighborhood and starts dating their psychiatrist. So, <laughs>
2: it all makes sense all in makes the sense. end.
1: Yes, it does.
2: Yeah, good old Abe Lincoln yeah. severed cyborg head. Meanwhile,
0: President Max uh, sends his own giant robots on murderous rampages across the U.S., and uh, everyone's somehow happy with this.
2: Ah, that old story.
0: Well, let's move on to something a little bit more recent.
6: Number four. I didn't realize you were the bitch of the bitch.
0: <laughs> that all you got? Seem to be enough. Don't be so sure. Ah, uh, this is. uh well, you you know what this is, Scott. Wolf among us. Yes, so many
2: good one-liners. Seems to
0: be enough. Ah, <laughs> <Ugh>! yes, <laughs> so good. Bigby Wolf is such a great character. It really is. And, and playing this first season like convinced me to start reading the fables comics and really get into that. Um, which. Is probably the only exposure we'll have to these characters for a while. Yeah, this is my
3: favorite Telltale – narrative Telltale game. Like I I played through – all the way
0: through this one. And
3: I was surprised when we were talking about moments. I thought we were going to go with the end of episode one, which I I sent you a message (laughs) about, which is that's the – you find the severed Snow White head on your Ah, front porch after returning, which then – that was a super cool cliffhanger i'm like what the fuck right and and then they walk it back in the future episodes and they say well that wasn't actually snow white but at least
2: it wasn't like a total bullshit cop-out it was actually like a thematically consistent like hey actually this is our way of introducing you to this whole thing of glamours, which actually plays through the entire rest of the season so i agree with you that it was a bit of a bait and switch and they definitely got Mm -hmm. us but i was very okay with it because it wasn't Like, there was a justification that made sense within the narrative, and it carried forward to the rest of the series. And also, like, fucking finding a severed head, and hey, episode's over, like god damn dude
3: but, yeah. and, and they were setting her up to be like your love interest for the rest of the season it was like oh okay yeah, yeah. Big Bad Wolf is like in love with Snow White yeah. cool cool oh I appreciate, shit she's dead oh god
2: I appreciate that the tension was always kind of there and if you've read the comics you know that they do they did eventually get married at some point in the timeline mm-hmm. but I I actually really liked the way that the game handled this it was just like a partnership and a camaraderie and like maybe yeah. some unspoken romantic tension but it's always kind of subverted at inopportune times and yeah. for me that was a really fun dynamic yeah. as, you know just to keep you wanting keep you interested you, in this we got to go
3: season two for the will they won't they
2: Scott. Uh, <laughs> yeah. man, Unfortunately,
0: so, we'll yeah. never get. It. <laughs> they were
2: working on it. Season and, two was going to exist. It was a th- mm. real thing that was getting made.
0: I mean, if you somehow uh. missed uh, the Wolf Among Us, so you you missed out big. And and you should play it big B. So the concept of this and Fables, the comic that it's based on, are that. Uh, the, the residents of fairy tales are all real. They inhabit like another dimension universe and they all got chased out of their home worlds by a murderous dictator whose identity is a big secret for most of that series. And they settled in an enclave community in New York, uh, that is patrolled and, and policed by you, uh, Bigby, Bigby Wolf, who's, uh, the big bad the wolf, the big bad wolf. Yes. Hence from all BB the stories Piggy. who's become a, Human, more or less, and yeah. uh, he looks more like Wolverine in the series. Yeah. he's got like the the, the sideburns. Has and, has yeah. been reformed through his friendship with Snow White, and uh, it kind of operates sort of like a snarkier, like a, a cross between Wolverine and a PI.
3: Yeah, he's, he's technically their sheriff, isn't he? He is. He is, he is, the, he sheriff. is he's the,
2: the sheriff. He's the Fabletown sheriff, but in a very like gritty noir detective kind of way, yeah. where he's just always like everything's always just. He's just so worn down, and everything. Just he just has to put up with all this shit. Yeah. Like his attitude throughout is so relatable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you you sent me a clip where it's just like him being silent through a bunch of. God, I love that moment. I'm going to describe this <laughs> and, moment,
2: which doesn't work in audio at well, all. Do well, ha-
0: I, I mean, I do have the
2: audio. All right, go for it. Go for Vivi. it.
6: Hey, wait up! Have you seen my wife? Have you seen Beauty?
2: Motherfucker. <laughs> and the, the elevator doors close as he's saying. I it. was
3: gonna bring up. So that's not one moment, but the tension of the relationship Bigby has with that as a Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, that right? was Beast from Beauty. Yeah, that yes. was Beast from Beauty and the Beast, and like basically, it's a marriage that's crumbling, falling apart, and like mm. he has suspicions that she's like cheating on him with other people. And, and like, there's more to that story. There's yeah. more than
0: meets
1: the eye. Yeah, and and it's just like the, uh, wow, I just had full full remembrance of that. It. Yeah, it's, it's right. just Total it's, it's a great it's not, subplot. It's not
3: one moment. It's yeah. like this. Yeah, it, it runs throughout the. Well, first few episodes of the
2: season. Yeah, you kind of figure it out by like season uh, episode like two or three. But, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's like a it's it's a part of the mystery, and it all kind of starts to tie together as you figure things out. Yeah. I mean, it really is a, a really wonderfully constructed detective story. In addition to being you know uh, based in this comics world. Um, I, I think to me, the, the biggest success of that series isn't any one moment, which kind of made this entry really difficult. It's more just the yeah. general atmosphere of the game. It's got this really great neon noir 80s kind of vibe, like the soundtrack, the color palette, the way the characters talk. It isn't like old timey, but it has this really great sort of like... Darkness to it. Um, I I, yeah. I just fell in love with the tone of the
1: series more than anything. You can smell the yeah.
3: cigarette smoke in mm. like every room yeah. in that
2: game. It just hangs in the
0: air. Well, the
1: moment that yeah, it, I, was some, it was something about like the motif and the style of gameplay, like a old timey detective novel and i don't mean this as an insult was perfect for the telltale ending. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. It was a match made in heaven. But that was
3: the first game didn't it yeah. introduce
1: it introduced
3: action elements, right? It had some basic combat in there. More more so than Walking
2: Dead. Yeah, yeah. Walking yeah. Dead did have like some quick time events, but i think Wolf arguably did it better and it was a more significant part of the experience.
0: Yeah. yeah so the the moment that i chose to highlight for this one is it comes at the very beginning of the first episode. And that voice that you heard at the beginning is uh, this barfly who turns out to be Grendel. You know, that Grendel from Beowulf. And uh, he... Like, this this moment where you fight him in a bar is kind of emblematic of the character and where you can take it. That it's like, yes, he's the sheriff. He's also a monster who's policing other monsters. And uh, when you're fighting Grendel... Can you really resist the temptation to rip his fucking arm off?
2: And beat him with it.
0: Oh,
6: I'm the lapdog,
4: huh?
6: Here.
0: Fetch. Throws the arm across you the bar.
4: Monster.
0: That's the woodsman, by the way. It calls him the fucking monster. I would point out
2: that Michael was grinning ear to ear that entire time (laughs) as that disgusting, (laughs) grotesque audio played. Michael's just over there like, yes, yes, good, more.
0: more. I must have more of these ripping noises. You sick fuck.
3: (laughs) Usually I have to pay extra for this ASMR.
2: But even just that little... Just that little clip gives you, like, a, a really great taste of the tone and, like, like mm-hmm. I'm the Lamp huh? Fetch. And just, like, these, like, badass one-liners. And they yeah. just, in the moment, they don't feel cheesy or trite. They feel like, oh, yeah, like, they've earned this. Like, everything is supporting mm-hmm. how, re- like, how great this is. Oh, man, his love rivalry
3: with the Woodsman, who you mentioned, is also in that scene is really cool. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, yeah. the Woodsman is, like... Maybe at any time could go could go off and just kill this dude, no problem, but they have this weird at first you think, oh like this is gonna be this main adversary in the game and he kind of he can help you at times and he he does he keeps factoring back into the story over and over again and yeah, yeah. it's it's just really cool again. Yeah, hit, a of arc. A well, it's a well-written story arc, which yeah. is very unusual for yeah. video games. The
2: Woodsman's arc is, is really compelling and, and goes places you wouldn't expect based on the first episode. It's yeah. really good.
0: Well, if I, if I remember right, uh, part of the Fable's mythology is that they uh, – as they exist in the quote-unquote Mundy world, the mundane world, yep. that, uh they are more powerful the more people remember them. So that's why Snow White, everyone loves Snow White. Everyone mm. knows Snow White. She's very prominent. She's extremely powerful. She's extremely hard to kill, as is Bigby, as uh. are the rest of these characters. And the Woodsman, because he's part of that story, I think he gets like an axe to the head at one point and gets up and brushes it off. Is like, oh, you're too rough on me.
2: Yeah, he gets thrown out of a second story window in like the opening moments of the game.
0: Yeah. but Fables are not easy to kill. They, right. they don't operate by the same uh, mechanics that humans do. So Grendel, because he got his arm ripped off in, a, in the story, we can probably assume it will grow back again at some point. But it does not grow back for the rest of the season, and he brings it up whenever he gets a <laughs> chance.
5: I didn't do shit wrong, and I got my fucking
0: arm ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> he deserved it. He was a dick. He no, was a total he dick. World. He's
3: picking a fight with you the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of true. And then
0: he attacks
3: you... So assaulting an officer, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna use that defense next time I rip someone's arm off and beat mm-hmm.
2: them with it. Seems yeah. reasonable. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I really wish I knew who that actor was. He nails that role. For, I mean, kind of a side character. Grendel only pops up every now and then, but mm-hmm. like he's he's so perfect for it. I really wish I knew who that was. I'm gonna have to check later. They deserve yeah. they deserve the credit for that. If
0: only we had some way to look that up.
2: Well, I didn't want to stop the momentum of the podcast. <laughs>
0: Impossible. There's no momentum on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's let's pretend there is and move along to... Number
3: three. Oh, too bad Sasha wasn't here. She
5: would have loved watching me shoot a thing in the face. My sister felt much the same way about my exploits until I was duped into murdering her. You are so
4: bad at conversation. I, I knew it was weird the moment I said it. You're like <gasps> the worst at it. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is an exchange between Fiona and Athena in which game uh, Tales from the Borderlands oh my god so good this, this might actually be my favorite Telltale series of the, fir- of the last few years like maybe you know Walking Dead aside like Tales from the Borderlands is so wonderful once I started playing it it's, I have to finish this totally. series I have to play the rest of it
2: I would argue that it is one of if not the funniest game ever made period
0: yes absolutely And uh there there was one scene that I originally wanted to highlight. I chose another one for this, but I am gonna play the the original scene because it's great. There's a moment where the main character one of the two main characters, Reese, is uh betrayed by his uh best friend who's played by Chris Hardwick. I forget his the the character's name.
2: Um uh, oh my god, it is Chris Hardwick. Uh Boo You stumped me. What what's his fucking name?
0: But but uh, but they have this exchange. I can picture and, him. I can picture and bear, him. And bear in mind that the the conceit of this is that what you're playing is a story told by the main characters to someone who's kidnapped them.
5: Do you forgive me? Just say yes. Because I feel like super bad right now, bro. Not even worried about it, bro. Man, I'm so relieved to hear you say that, bro. I
0: knew you'd never betray me, bro. Never, bro. <laughs>
4: thanks bro hey we're bros bro that's bro 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 bro
0: I, I love. I just love the idea that at some point Fiona hijacked that narrative and just started putting words. That happens a lot in that
3: series. Yeah, yeah that, so I this is... I said I didn't play many, but yeah, I've also played this. And yeah, they are basically telling each other stories to this guy that has both of them kind of tied mm-hmm. up. And yeah, so... They will um, take poetic license in retelling these stories. Yep. And by the way, the guy who played Grendel, uh, it's worth noting, he was in a lot of Telltale games. In fact, he was the voice of Tycho in that Poker Night at the Inventory game. Oh, really? Oh, like they, wild. They wow. didn't just use Jerry to do Tycho. They were like, no, no, here, good <laughs> <get an> actor.
2: <laughs> we definitely had a pretty um, consistent stable of actors we would, we would use in a lot of the games. Um, you, you, I'm trying to remember, like... Um, God, there's somebody who has died. There's an actor who's died in at least five of our games. Like, their character has been killed. Oh, okay. Sean no. Bean. It's <laughs> not, not hilariously, not Sean Bean. Wow. Uh, by
3: the way, you'll like this, Michael. He also played Ezio, and it looks like a DLC for Assassin's Creed 2. So it, it wasn't Roger Craig Smith all the time? No, huh. it was, he played Ezio in Assassin's Creed 2
0: Discovery. Oh, okay, the, uh, that's the, oh, the the DS one. I didn't even know that had a voice track. Weird. I've been stumped for once, but it was, uh, Chris Hardwick's character was Vaughn. Also, Vaughn, we're going thank over you. This stuff. Who's, who's a great character who's like yeah he, he yeah, seems shitty, like a scumbag at first shitty, but then, shitty person yeah. in real life well they're all oh but, yeah, uh, yeah yeah yeah
2: but, uh, but a good character great yeah. character
0: well I mean I, I was gonna say look, I thought you were saying the character's a shitty person which he nah, kind of is I Chris mean,
2: Hardwick the, is shitty
0: Every, everyone in Borderlands is kind of a shitty
3: but,
2: character yeah, yeah that's actually <laughs> but, one of the beautiful things about that game everyone is only looking out for themselves yeah. everyone is yeah. kind of an asshole but,
0: yeah Reese and Vaughn especially because they're employees of the Hyperion Corporation which like it just has like this completely cutthroat structure Everyone's trying to be handsome Jack.
2: Yes.
3: And, absolutely. and handsome Jack literally stabbed his way, like yes. back stabbed his way to the top. And, and now his,
0: his personality is like in Reese's head trying to guide his actions. Spoilers, Michael! God
3: damn it! No, that's like episode one. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that happens
2: like very, very early on.
0: But I, I think, you know, going back over this, I was reminded of something like this really, really striking moment where Reese is impersonating his reviled rival Vasquez who's played by Patrick Warburton and uh you know trying to imitate the voice better up to
5: it <clears throat> sorry just ate a burrito <laughs> um,
0: and he gets he gets uh, as vasquez he gets challenged by the head of the accounting department for having embezzled several million dollars and a finger guns shootout ensues
4: Shoosh!
0: Shoosh!
4: Shoosh!
6: Shoosh!
0: I love this scene so much because yeah. it is handled exactly like a real shootout. It's it, you know it's presented like one. It's taken totally seriously. It plays like, like one. It plays yeah. from a
2: mechanical perspective.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You act like you've never seen nineteen sixty eight classic Blackbeard's Ghost, the Disney movie, uh, where haven't. there is a scene where they have a finger gun fight and wow. it literally the ghost is punching people in the face with the finger guns. Wow! So
1: they stole oh, it. To, to further belittle Michael's point, I thought you were going to talk about the scene from Spaced. Where Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost do it, and Edgar. Uh, Rock oh, Rock that's
2: true. That is a very good <laughs> scene. <laughs> Maybe that—that's more likely the inspiration for this scene.
3: It's start fucking Peter <laughs> Ustinov. Okay, I'm not. It's not just like a nothing movie. All right, this is Dean Jones I and Peter Ustinov.
2: So the thing I'll say about the Telltale version yeah, that I—I yes. I really love is not only did they completely commit to it in the way that Michael described yeah. it's like a lengthy sequence yes. it's, just, it's like a Mel Brooks moment of like it goes on and like almost stops being funny and then keeps going so long that it gets ridiculous and it becomes funny again yeah. in this circular kind of
0: manner just like Blackbeard's go Suzanne Plachette motherfuckers <laughs> but every, everyone's so committed to this and just like making like shotgun cocking motions yeah, and making noises with their mouths the yeah, whole time yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I will point out the other really
2: important thing about this scene is it's kind of a send-up of, like, bro corporate culture, which yes. makes it even funnier because we all get yeah. to laugh at, like, ah, corporate chills, they do suck. You know, it's a yeah. nice added and, layer. And
0: the whole time this fight is going on, there are, like, other people who are unconnected to this and are just, like, walking around talking on the phone and ignoring <laughs> you while you're, like, diving behind a table and pretending to throw a grenade. It's like a scene from Community. But, I was going to say, it's it's like, if you remember, that especially the d d scene from Community, where, like, you get kind of drawn into this theater of the mind thing, and you start to imagine very vividly, like that that D&D episode, like I still think about it, and I, I vividly remember Chevy Chase riding naked on a dragon, <laughs> even though that is never shown. It is only described. So it's, it's kind of like that you start to take it seriously. Excuse <laughs> me. Listen, right? dragons are not that gross. And I should point out, this gunfight has very, very real stakes. Safety's on! <laughs> shot, shot, shot. If you you're fail. making
6: a mockery of the Hyperion finger gun tradition. Seriously? That's your problem with this? Wait. You're not Vasquez. Smoke him for
0: real! <laughs> They will pull actual guns and shoot you. <laughs> yeah, I do love that the fail state has like a narrative. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like oh, you
2: failed to hit the quick time event; you automatically fail and start over. Like there's a whole explanation for. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh. yeah. Attention to detail, y'all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I I love that scene so much.
2: <laughs> God, that that and the bro scene, like I think, are really speak volumes about the kind of humor in that game. Like if you were laughing at all about either of those, and you haven't played this game before, mm-hmm. go fucking play it. Please it's so go funny. Play
3: it my spoilery moment from this game and it's one that it actually got news coverage it's the death of uh spoiler alert minor borderlands character scooter catcher uh which happens in one of the oh, episodes yeah, which i do remember that getting like press coverage of, like hey they kill off Scooter
0: in this game. And yeah. it's kind of a genuinely moving scene. Yes, it yeah.
2: is. It's yeah, it's not it's not played for laughs at all. No. It's like actually like no, it's a self sacrificing moment. Like he does it to say and like everyone's kind of upset about it in the moment. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a real it's a thing.
3: Who's gonna deliver my Cool buggies in Borderlands Three now.
0: <sighs> I'm sure they'll find someone.
1: Boy, you think they're still making? It probably Borderlands seemed like 3. a huge deal when we thought we were going to be getting another Borderlands. Yeah, that's what I was. I, that's what I was just
2: saying, man. Do you think they're
1: even? Do you think they're making
3: it? Yeah. It's been a long that time. And, that in Half Life Three. Yeah, surely. Yeah, soon, someday,
2: we'll see. I actually really like the Borderlands games. In oh, addition man. to Tales and Borderlands, yeah, I know the writing is really love it or hate it, but it's I, it. I really the enjoyed. The guy's Borderlands. out
3: three million dollars. You got to give him a break. Give <laughs> him uh, more time.
2: We're still going to get to <laughs> It's the second time we're really we got to get to that story eventually
0: but yeah there was also a scene that i really wanted to capture but i couldn't find it in time which is i think early on like one of the the early bad guys is like you're you're on the roof of his or the hood of his car and he's like pointing a gun right in your face and you like roll out of the way he's like you know i can just move my hand right (laughs) a gun is very easy to move i can point it at you (laughs)
2: Oh, it's good. It's yeah. so good.
0: Oh, it's it's just oh, it's wall to wall great. Uh, everyone should play it. It's oh, special fantastic. shout
2: out to the intro sequences, which I will always oh, love. Yes, yes, like please. the highly choreographed, set to a licensed track, like slow mo intros to every episode were like works of art unto themselves. Each one of them was spectacular. Just have to acknowledge that yes. while we're talking about the game.
0: Was there another thing that you wanted to bring up about it? Earlier? The other thing I
2: mentioned off camera was just just a weird personal story where like I I was a freelance writer for a while. Oh yeah, right. and at one point. I actually wrote a cover story for the official Xbox Magazine on Tales from the Borderlands. And what's especially weird about that is I went to Telltale's office to do the story and interviewed a bunch of leads in a conference room that I then sat next to when I was hired to work at the company many years later. So I literally sat five feet from this room where I had been many years prior as a journalist When I was hired full time, just one of those weird, never would have guessed it kind of, you know, cosmic coincidence things. Maybe
3: you can buy it. They're going to auction it off
0: now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was not a particularly attractive conference room. I'm actually pretty okay with leaving that one behind. Really gross carpet.
0: (laughs) Were you at all tempted to, like, rip all the copper wiring out of the walls? Because I might have been.
2: I took a bunch of tea. Well, that's something. Because I was like, no one's going to drink this, so I just grabbed some handfuls of tea packets. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, like building
3: hosts in urgent care, man.
0: You? Oh, why? Right. They do. How do you know <laughs> do that?
2: Yeah, it, it does. It's that's correct. In, it's in Marin. Yeah, it's okay. Right. Yeah, fair enough. I've been to build that urgent, in Marin,
0: care. In urgent care. I've been to that urgent care. <laughs> I mean, it's it's out in Hamilton Field, right? Or no? Uh, no, no San Rafael. That's too. Oh, still San Rafael. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's, yeah, I went when I went to their offices. It was like on the outskirts of that like uh, little shopping center. Um uh, Just south of uh Fourth Street. Oh, Nick I think that was that
2: was the office before what was right. the yeah, current yeah, yeah. office. No longer current, I suppose. But okay. yeah,
0: we're talking in a bunch of local terms that most of our listeners. Won't no say. one
2: cares. No one. Cares. You guys cares know, right
0: all. near the fairgrounds, right, right near the AW
3: Burger. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Where's the Where's the don't give a shit sound effect? <laughs> <laughs> Move the fuck on button.
3: I think it's right here. you be haters. Don't hate my game.
5: There we go. <laughs> Alright, heard so long. Telson
0: Borderlands fucking wonderful. Go play it. Uh, but also consider playing this.
3: Number two.
6: No secrets between us. Ever again. You have my word. I Pinky Swear. Pinky swear. <laughs> friends for life. <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce, friends. Don't plant tracking gadgets on each other.
5: You've got my number.
6: Uh,
2: (laughs) Real quick. Yeah. So That's so, not
0: the moment we're talking. No. no. So
2: that is from uh, Batman The Enemy Within, yeah. which is great. And not a lot of people played it, which is a shame because genuinely it is up there with Walking Dead and Wolf Among Us. It's, it's seriously great. And I'm so sad that more people didn't play it. But I have to contextualize that moment when you pinky swear. And you can literally choose to pinky swear with the Joker. A bartender walks by at that moment and gives you the weirdest yeah, look and then just keeps walking. Horrified. It's great. <laughs> it's very funny and doesn't play well on audio. So I had to clarify. Yeah. It, is, it is a very
0: That's good which, moment. Thanks
3: twenty eighteen, man. Two men can <laughs> pinky swear in public. It's fine.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so uh we're this is where we're getting into spoiler territory, heavy spoiler territory, uh, with this and the next entry. So if you don't want to be spoiled on this, and you and, and you know, we'll we'll leave out a lot of the major spoilers, but we'll touch on uh one big one toward the end. Uh and if if you don't want to be spoiled on this or Walking Dead season one, uh go ahead and fast forward to the next segment, which starts at 1 hour 24 minutes and 40 seconds. But anyway, uh so if you haven't played Batman Enemy Within, it might come as something of a surprise that Joker is uh introduced as a character named John Doe who is uh not the Joker yet. He is kind of yours to mold with the uh the decisions that you make and he can become the classic villainous Joker or in a weird twist, he can become Number one, your best friend. Number two, your best friend who knows your <laughs> secret identity as Bruce Wayne. Number three, a vigilante who just kind of has a fucked up sense of justice. Mm. Very accurate. Which, Very accurate. Which one has
3: the broken tattoo on his forehead?
0: Uh, none of them, but the vigilante one does have like a uh, sort of like... He's got some um, sick eyeshadow. Yeah, what, What's the Imperator Furiosa? Like the, the yeah. big grease... Sp- uh, slather across his forehead. Uh, yeah, and yeah, And then yeah, I think yeah, the cool. villain
2: one has like some like bright purple, like blush going on. Mm-hmm. They have different treatments depending on which Joker yeah. you end the, up with.
0: The villain one looks a lot more like classic Joker. But, uh, they're like just watching this. I, I, I should say I haven't really played Batman Enemy within. I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. But I did watch a lot of it on YouTube. And the relationship between Batman or Bruce and, and John Doe is like weirdly sweet. Like he's, this this very eager character who kinda wants to do good and wants to be your friend and so there's moments where like Batman's training him how to throw a batarang. Yep. And yeah, just all this uh weird stuff. But there's there's a moment toward the end of the vigilante storyline. And, and and that's another impressive thing that it can diverge wildly depending on which direction it goes. Oh, yeah. You'll be treated to different scenes. That wasn't
2: that wasn't so episode 5 is literally two completely separate episodes in a single episode. Yeah. Like depending on if you have the villain version or the vigilante version, it is a totally different episode. Like pretty much 100%. I think there are like three scenes that are shared across them but they're like not significant scenes the rest of it is completely divergent
0: mm-hmm. and and I don't think any other telltale game does that not, like to, that to, that not yeah. to that degree.
2: not to that degree um Oh, and just real quick before I forget, I just want to point out one really cool detail about the Joker's appearance in the Vigilante version. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of the Vigilante version is he's Joker is just trying to be Batman. He's obsessed with, like, trying to do what, what Batman does. So if you look at his visual treatment, you see his hair has this weird, like, middle part, and it's kind of pointed up. Uh-huh. He's trying to make bat uh, ears for himself. Yeah, was that wondering. was the idea. Like... Intentionally, that was why he looks that way. He's trying to emulate Batman's, like, horns on his hood.
0: I was, I was kind of surprised you guys didn't go with, like, there, there is in DC Comics, like, a mirror universe version of Joker, who's a good guy. I think he's named the comedian. And he has, like, a ponytail or something, but he's, like, uh, the hero who fights Owl Man, who's the, the evil Batman.
2: Yeah, you know? I've, I've, yeah. We, I, I remember discussing that with someone internally, but it was very much, we wanted to do, Batman in our own way, right? And like, yeah, understand. And, and this is have very a really much your take,
0: putting your own stamp on the character. Totally. To which, like, I'm I'm kind of surprised that they give you this much license. I am too.
2: Characters. DC was super cool about it. Like they this, apparently were very easy to work with. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's this is weird. a really
3: cool take. It's weird that they call him John Doe though, because. I, and I'm not the comic expert this is where mm. I wish we had Chris klo or Chris Baker with us or uh, but but my understanding of the Joker is they've never really revealed his identity like they've they've done some special runs where like we're gonna finally tell you who the Joker yeah. is and then they've retconned it or they said well actually no that was just what you know that was like a swerve where you know we Batman thought he had it figured out or whatever and so yeah just calling him John Doe that's sort of a nod to like no one really knows the Joker's yeah. identity and that,
0: well, that's the way it is here it's yeah, like he doesn't know yeah it's not his real name it's yeah. just he's a John know.
2: So he has a cameo in the first season of Telltale's Batman game, um, but it's it's a very brief, like, he helps you break out of Arkham, you meet him in Arkham, and so the idea, early in this universe, he, all he knows is he ended up in Arkham somehow, and he doesn't remember anything about his life before that. So when he's finally released from Arkham, all he knows is like, well, Bruce was nice to me, I'm gonna go find him, and that's how you end up with him in Enemy Within. But, so you don't really get, oh, here's the Joker's backstory, here's who he is, he's just like some dude who was in a mental hospital for some reason that he doesn't remember, and now you're kind of stuck with him. Mm.
0: Yeah, but at the end of the, the vigilante storyline, this is the moment that we're going to go yeah, into. Yeah, this is the
2: number two moment.
0: Yes, the number two moment. The poop moment, if you will. Uh, no, I'm. I I'm, won't. I refuse. <laughs> good, good on you. We <laughs> should refuse. Uh, there's a moment where, of course, this being Joker, he goes too far, and Batman has to try and stop him. Even though Joker thinks he's doing the right thing and trying to be a hero, he just can't pull it off. And there's a moment where you've got Joker incapacitated and he and Batman are slumped across a room from each other. And Joker asks a very straightforward question. I know you used me. I I know I should hate you for that.
4: But I, I don't. Because
2: I, I, I had such a good time with you, Bruce. you ever
4: did you ever think of me as
0: your friend? And you have the option of answering yes or no. And uh what what do you guys pick? We'll do a telltale thing right now. Yes or no? <laughs> ah,
3: the pressure. <laughs> Were they ever friends? No, I just don't pick anything. I just let it run out.
0: <laughs> I think I think it's the same you get the same response uh if you let, let it run. I now. think this is
2: one of those uh choices that actually doesn't have a timer on it. You have to pick.
3: Oh man, okay. Um, yeah. was he ever my friend?
2: <sighs> this is all on match shoulders now. We've yeah. d- apparently don't you decided- want
3: to be friends with the Joker? well if it's jack nicholson's version it's not jack napier
2: uh <laughs> i do actually know who does the voice of this j- anthony and gruber did an amazing job yeah. it's weird not, to, He's awesome. it not i was
3: going to point out it's weird for it not to be mark hamill and i'm totally
2: stalling so i don't
3: but have he, to give you an he does right now.
0: clearly uh take some inspiration from mark hamill's joker like it's a similar take on the character nice. he does so,
2: he does a great mark hamill impression actually <laughs> yeah
0: so yeah i'll say yes it's more All interesting right. if they used to be
2: friends of course
4: of course you were my friend
2: you are one messed up guy (laughs) god I
5: love the Joker (laughs) calling Batman a messed up guy (laughs) it (laughs) rules
4: that's him
0: (laughs) and we'll just play the no for shits and giggles we were never friends
4: you were a means to an end yes I was
6: pretty far off the mark there, huh? (laughs) That's all right. I learned from my mistakes. Enemies, it is.
2: Dark.
0: Yeah, and it just—it does kind of set up their future together. What, like, villain or vigilante? Like, it ends with, yeah, I guess we'll just always be fighting each other now.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they are—they're two sides of the same coin. They're both technically Mm -hmm. anarchists. One is just society goes to hell. One says, "I'm going to take." things into my own hands. You uh, know they're
0: both very, very mentally disturbed people. Yes. <laughs> yes. Arguably. There's no way around that.
2: I do really love that moment though, and I do love that the treatment that the the team took, um the approach that they took towards Joker allowed for that moment to mm-hmm. even happen, right? Yeah. To portray him as potentially at least a sympathetic character. And for even in that moment where this comes after this, you know, knockdown, drag out fight where they're both like you know, beaten half to death, sitting across a room from each other as they just, like, pant and bleed and, like, try to recover that, like, this is the conversation that they have. Like, that's... What an amazing moment and what a heartbreaking line. Like, what a horribly heartbreaking line, especially after, like, all you've been through over the course of the series, after, like, the very unforgivable things that Joker does, even if you take the vigilante path, with like, the quote-unquote good path, like, for that to still be his, like, driving force, for that to be the thing that, like, is most important to him in that moment like speaks so much about yeah. who that character is in this particular universe it's just really heartbreaking he
0: just wants to be friends with bats <laughs> just wants to be loved yeah. and accepted man yeah. We you can all relate to that
3: i don't know why more people didn't play this i think for me there was a little bit of exhaustion like gotham mm. was also running and was supposed yeah. to be kind of the the setup and premise and backstory of a lot of batman characters and then i think just drama wears on you and and like i'm you know, I need lighter fare. And this always came across as like, no, this is like a serious – and by the way, it's not even really a Batman story. This is a serious Bruce
2: Wayne story for
1: the most yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Another very cool thing about the Telltale take on it. Right.
1: That that was my highlight from it because it's discussed in comics, but, like, everyone knows what Batman does. Like, Bruce, Bruce Wayne's life sucks. And to see him have to, like, navigate politically, his social life – I don't know. I thought that was a really neat thing to do in yeah. the game.
2: Yeah, I do. A- and, and they explored it really neatly in season one. And season two does it not quite to the same extent. But in, like, episode two or three, you have to infiltrate a cabal of villains as Bruce, which is really interesting. Hmm. Uh, like, Batman is essentially, like he's too injured to take this on or it just it makes sense there's like a whole setup for it why it makes sense for bruce to do it but yeah like you're in bruce's shoes interacting with all of these iconic villains it's a really fascinating flip on what you would normally expect from a batman experience yeah, bat suits wow. in the shop getting the nipple editions it's probably
0: just couldn't.
2: <laughs> getting chromed yeah, yeah getting those chrome nipples chrome nipples
0: <laughs> gross <laughs> oh but i think it's probably time to move on to our
2: I'm so hungry, Lee. I hope I get to eat soon.
1: I need to keep my strength up, too.
3: I hope I
4: get to eat next time. <gasps> Wait, you put an audio of you <laughs> not
2: giving that's, that's I know where that is. Lee, that's you the beginning monster. of episode 2 that is in the parking lot yep. of the motor inn and you get like two food bars and you can give them to whoever. So, you had to You had to engage Clementine in conversation, Uh and then in that conversation, choose to not give her the food, which you didn't even you didn't have to talk to her. If you weren't going to give her the food, Uh you could have just not talked to her. That's true. Where did you get
0: that audio, you fucking monster? There is a compilation on YouTube called "The Best of Scumbag Lee" or just Um, "Scumbag (laughs) Lee."
2: That's very funny. It's
0: just Lee making asshole decisions. Jesus Um, Christ! (laughs) (laughs) But that is not the moment that we're talking about. And again, I hope not. Deep fucking spoiler territory. This is your last warning. It's a six-year-old
2: game, you son of a bitch.
0: But it's the first season. Well, end of the first season. So if you haven't played it, uh, please play it. You're missing out on one of the most emotional moments in like the last ten years of gaming. Emotionally wrenching moments, I should say. It's kind of a cop-out to just say emotional. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's the scene at the very end, uh, after you've had a confrontation With this character, uh, it was just called The Stranger, who knows basically every sin you've committed over the course of the season.
6: Have you ever hurt somebody you care about? No. That's not true. You didn't care about that woman before holding her back so your friend could bash her dad's brains in? What about that boy who didn't make it out of uh, Crawford, was it? If it didn't hurt him, whatever you did hurt that girl in there.
0: Uh, and and after he that guy is dealt with, so that that's that's a, such such a great moment because there's I think at the end of the first episode, there's this moment where the band you're with like finds this car out in the woods and it com- is completely abandoned, but it's full of food and clothing, and we should take this stuff. And uh, that, you know. Your band will do that whether you decide to abstain or not. And uh, it turns out that, like, yeah, it affected the owners of it. And uh, they the, the family died, all except for the father who uh, tracked you relentlessly and watched everything you did. Um, but again, the the iconic moment comes after that. And it is Lee is dying. He has been bitten by a zombie. He will slowly turn. And you have one last moment with Clementine, who you've been protecting through this whole season, who is going to be stepping into the, the protagonist's shoes in future seasons. And uh you, you have the choice of several things to say to her. You can take care of yourself. See?
4: No, not all the time. Yeah, you can. Don't worry.
0: And uh ultimately, the choice is... Uh, do you tell her to leave you alone or and let you turn? Or do you ask this sweet little girl to shoot you in the face?
4: It's okay. My parents. It's so horrible. Uh, I can't imagine be. And now you. Please. Please don't be one of them.
3: Please don't
0: become a walker. There's only one thing you can do.
5: You know that,
0: and, and it is—it's uh, such a fucking heart-wrenching scene. Um, still gets yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, it still gets me too. Like I—I I, I got a little choked up watching it again, just to capture sounds for this.
1: Yeah, I believe it it's it's good it's, it's it's totally one thing and i haven't seen another game do this it's one thing to kill your main character mm-hmm. your protagonist but it's another thing to leave a child abandoned in your in your yes. absence yes. uh yeah. which you spend this whole thing building up this bond with this girl and i don't know it was it's it really it, i don't know really did like more so than the show ever does like encapsulate the bleakness of the walking dead yeah. comics here's a question
3: Scott, do you know what happens to Clem at the end of the season?
2: I don't. <sighs> I know that the team you may knows. Never have to die. I know that uh, they had, you know, four was scripted. Like, they have an ending. They knew exactly what they were driving towards. Okay. So the ending exists in, in, a, in a way.
0: So they weren't like Scott Butterworth as the uh, creator and writer of, of all of all our telt- games. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, What do you think should happen? To I play? delegated this one out. <laughs> Actually, you were that CEO
2: who, g- who delivered the yeah. message. You walked into the room. <laughs> Secret, there was no Delta all along. It was just me. It was, it was an elaborate ruse I've been pulling on the world. <laughs> The greatest con. Oh man, (laughs) yeah. This has Chris angeled all of you.
0: Yeah, I I think the word that I use, like I was talking to Diana about this last night, is like this scene left a mark. Like the it it just you you got so invested in the relationship between Lee and Clementine, and like this was even before like Last of Us. This was one of the best of the what I would call a dad game. Where like you aren't really the emotional core of the story, your bond with a child that you have to protect is, and yeah, it was very new for games
2: for sure, and it's been that model's been used a few times since then. Um, and I I wouldn't say that you know, The Walking Dead didn't invent that dynamic, but I think for games, Mm -hmm. it's the only notable example I can think of for its time, and and you know, it's been emulated since then, and and you can see why. I mean, it works so well. That dynamic opens the door to so many um, different potential emotional um, situations
0: yeah and and seeing it again like seeing the choices that you're given it it somehow just doesn't seem enough to, to impart like this advice to Man her
5: and Clem. <laughs> stay away from the cities definitely they're just
0: not worth the risk. Like, that's what you can manage out in your final moments. And she will remember that into the next season. Like,
2: dude, keep that hair short. It's all about, it's all about keep that hair short. That's the only one. That's the one you gotta pick. (laughs) Fuck cities. Fuck whatever the other one is. Keep that hair short. Mm
0: -hmm. You can tell her, find a group. Don't trust anybody. Uh, find these people that we were just with. And I think that works out for a while, but, uh. Mead and
2: Krista. Yeah, that's how episode two, or sorry, season two starts.
0: mm -hmm. But, um, Unless anyone has anything else to say about this.
2: God, it's just it's it holds up. It's good. Yeah. I will share one anecdote, which you guys may have missed. So over the summer, mm-hmm. uh, as we were promoting The Walking Dead, the final season, we actually got the actors for Lee and Clementine, um, Melissa Hutchinson and um, Dave Finoy respectively. I think. Wait, did I say that in the right order? Hopefully I did. Um, they joined us at San Diego Comic-Con and they were on an, an IGN live stream and the IGN crew had them watch that scene together and sort of comment on it. And it, I encourage you to go find that video because it's really amazing to see these actors kind of relive that moment that they went through together to sort of like share their insights of what it was oh, like yeah, yeah. in that moment. Like it's, it's pretty incredible. And like, they're both really gifted actors and really great people. And it was just like, really incredible to hear their insights about that so i recommend going and looking that up if if you know you've played this episode a million times but you still kind of need need more out of this go go find that it's a really good clip
1: and i recommend if you miss hearing lee uh subscribing to hulu yeah yeah that's the that's, that's dave Fenoy. you're lucky. right <laughs> dave dave, dave yeah, that's gets that's around um. <laughs> he's
2: also in spider-man oh uh i believe he's the guy that gives oh, you the pigeon he? missions oh nice yeah
3: so Oh, I don't shit. have anything else to say about Telltale or about The Walking Dead. I just wanted to say one thing to Scott. So thank you sure. for being here and sharing your stories with us, yes, by the thank way. You. And, no. and what happened to you? It, nobody deserves to have that happen to them but i just want you to know like i think all of us have been there at one point at least one point point. and so um yeah man hey thank thanks for coming on and telling these stories and kind of sharing and, and
2: having this celebration with us yeah ha- happy to be on i mean it's like i said earlier i'm yeah. genuinely a telltale fan i was from long before i ever joined so getting the chance to kind of like nerd out and gush about these games is just fun and nice and exciting and especially cathartic given the circumstances and yeah i just hope that You know, it, it it is heartening to see that there are serious conversations now about, hey, what if we give a shit about the people that make our games? Um, it's, it seems like there has been a sea change compared to 10 years ago when that would never be discussed, really. So my hope is that. You know what happened to us at Telltale will prevent the same thing from happening to other people over and over and over again. Hopefully, people will stop trusting in, you know, as one article put it, the brinksmanship of executives. Um, so that's mm. that's my hope, and that's part of why I want to you know get out and talk about it, at least to some extent. Though, again, very happy that this was primarily just a celebration of how great Telltale was, and and hopefully what a, a legacy the company will leave. Yeah,
0: and I, I have two number zeros and we'll get through really quick. Ooh, um, okay. The first one was originally a, a scene that I wanted to talk about in the top 5, but uh it got bumped. But Game of Thrones, uh episode 1. You you spend a lot of it playing as this character named Ethan who's the recently orphaned lord of the Forester family who's bannerman of the Starks, but now you're bannerman of the of the Boltons and uh you get a visit from Ramsay, everyone's favorite psychopath. Uh, who uh, delivers a a shocking finale for the episode. Aren't you the bold lord?
4: No, oh, lord. Ethan! No! What have you done? No, but I don't
5: want the no, bold lord. Far too no, much trouble.
4: lord! Oh, <sighs> trouble. Ethan! oh My lord. No,
2: no! Even though you did bend the knee,
0: so yeah, this is such an effective moment and it does the same thing for the Game of Thrones series that I think the first season of the 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 ending of the first season did for the TV show and then it's like no matter what you do, your main character fucking gets a knife to the throat and dies. Yeah, this character that had been built up and and you realize like, "Oh, bets are off." Yeah. Like no character is protected. Yeah, that was the swerve of the, of
3: that entire season was Usually episode one is setting up here as your protagonist mm-hmm. for the entire season. And actually, no, it, it it's the... This- he was the guy that, it's the brother, or there, there's two protagonists of, Yeah, They're of two
2: older brothers. The, yeah, the two older who brothers. Who were yeah. not in the picture at the beginning, but then gradually make their way home and sort of become, part, part of the season is following their journey, to basically just to make it back and protect their homestead and et cetera, yeah. et cetera.
0: And their sister, who's like part of, um, what's she's her name? She's in the court. Yeah, yeah, she's
2: down at, uh, um, Cast- King's Landing. Yeah, King's Landing. Uh, Marjorie. Marjorie, yeah, yeah, thank you.
0: Uh, and the other number zero I wanted to talk about is the, results screen that comes up at the end of every Telltale game uh, which tells you like what other people what, what choices other people made it's always it, the best part it's it's somehow like oddly comforting and morbidly fascinating it's like oh did I make the same decision as like 67% of people and like a lot of the time like if in those cases where there's no clear right or wrong decision like it can be sort of a relief like, oh, I made the same decision as most people. That was probably the right decision then. It's it's like a really cheap psychologist appointment because yeah. it's, it's
3: almost like <laughs> examining like, oh – I either, yeah, I'm, I'm either way more like other people than I thought, or why? And then I would start to yeah. examine like, why did I choose something completely different? Why was I in the 4
0: or 5% of people yeah. who made that you choice? You chose to push the little boy into the crocodile's <laughs> mouth.
1: 100% of players made this decision. <laughs> that, that's, why, that's why I started streaming Telltale Games, because I played like such a wiener. Like, the <laughs> that's yeah. good that's at, a yeah. thing you can do
2: in a lot of situations. You can be a total wiener. Yeah. And one interesting point I'll make here that I've I've always thought was fascinating is I, people seem to assume that the goal of any given choice is to have a 50-50 split because, oh, then it was a really hard choice. But I think in certain instances, you were, as a player, presented with a situation where... The game knew you were going to, or, like, the designers behind the game, at least, knew that you were going to make a particular choice. They just wanted to force you to do it. So, like, a 90-10 split wasn't necessarily a loss. It was just, hey, motherfuckers, we're making, like, we know that 90% of you are going to pick this. We're just putting you in a position where you have to actually do it and live with having made that choice. There were so many mind
3: games behind, like, yeah, usually those are kind of obvious, and you're like, well, everyone's going to choose this. I'm going to choose the opposite. And they would, like, then swerve you even more, and, like, the unexpected would inevitably come about from choosing that thing. And so, yeah, it's it was like a guessing game. It's of part like, of the fun of the Telltale
0: yeah. formula. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Which, sadly, is no more, at least for now. Womp at least from Telltale. Yeah. <sighs> well, on that sad note, <laughs> we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh some new releases, some Assassin's Creed, some Life is Strange 2, some news, some other stuff, so stay tuned. So dangerous, so dangerous. He fights the law, but he also fights the crime, but not as much dangerous. With Ronaldo at his side, he'll have Ronaldo at his side, dangerous. Dangerous? He's got some Chinese stars, and he keeps them under the bed with a lake to
5: pipe. Dangerous. Lake to pipe. That guy is dangerous.
6: is the world of today getting you down well then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies tv games and more 30 20 and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30 2010 here's a clip from 2007 flash of genius with greg kinnear i have never also, heard Lauren Graham. you need to take a hard look at reality and realize what we're up against It's just a windshield wiper. To you, maybe. To me, it's the Mona Lisa. Suing one of the most powerful corporations in the world. That's something you take on like. Is this a joke? (laughs) Is he the creator
1: of the
5: windshield wiper? Yeah. No. (laughs) No. He's the creator of the intermittent windshield wiper, (laughs) which is the thing that, like, it's the thing
6: that senses how hard it's raining and then adjust accordingly. I was raised in a world where all
5: windshields were wet.
3: (laughs) I'm going to break through. I'm watching this like and Sam's in the other room. All of a sudden, I hear Sam shout from the other room. Is that Alan Alda?
6: (laughs) You want to fight big rain? That's up to you. I'm not going to help you with (laughs) this. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LasertimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Five, four,
0: three, two, 1 And welcome back to our final segment where we will begin straight away by launching into that segment that is known only as Assassin's Creed Odyssey is out and I care about literally nothing else right now.
3: Dude, it is. my whole life. This week is insane. Oh, my God. I teased it on the Twitter. I'm like, by the way, it's a big week for the new releases segment, and I was not lying. Um, There are a lot of new games, a lot of good games, and some games we're going to talk about came out last week that we didn't get a chance to talk about. There's a lot of
0: games. Sure, yeah. We'll try to get through them quickly. Uh, But yes, again, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I've been playing it for the last two weeks. I'm about 40 hours in AMA. Uh, <laughs> do you stab tr- stuff? You stab all kinds of stuff Are there actual buildings this time? Yeah, there's tons of buildings It's all ancient Greece, right. man Are there escort
3: missions?
0: Uh, I haven't really played any Now that I think about it There are bits where you have other characters tagging along But most of the time you do not have to worry about their health um, There, are, it, it also brings back the naval stuff From Assassin's Creed 4, more or less oh, really? So you... you Yeah, you have uh, a ship called the Adrestia, and you can sail freely through the Aegean and the Mediterranean and uh, use arrows to shoot at other boats and, you know, javelins up close, and they're all remarkably effective, and you can do the boarding stuff. There's a new mechanic where you have a ram on the front of your ship, and you can just, quote-unquote, cleave, which is like you you do a speed boost with oars and uh, just smash through boats and like, halves of them will
3: sink. Oh, wow. No, because you could ram in the last game, too, but it, it would just do massive damage. Yeah,
0: but it it wouldn't smash the ships into pieces. Like, if you do that as, as your last hit or when a ship is disabled, like... That was a good move, yeah. Two, you were, I was constantly just trying to set that up. Yeah, two halves of ships will... Yeah. A ship will float down to the bottom. And this is something cool that someone pointed out to me. So normally, like... These ships that you fight with, uh, they have treasure chests on board that you normally have to board and kill everybody, all the defenders, in order to open up before the boat sinks. However, if you smash the ship into pieces, you can immediately leave the deck of your ship, dive underwater, and chase it as it falls, like, find the chest and chase it down as it falls uh, underwater, and uh, you can you can open it that way.
2: That is very uh, cool.
0: I, I love the seamlessness of this game, that it is, like, all just one big open world. The underwater world is part of that. You can leave your ship at any time, as long as you're not in the middle of combat, uh, just... Jump overboard like I'm going to dive this shipwreck or this ancient ruin, or I'm just going to dive to the bottom of the ocean for no reason, and find out the hard way that if you do that, uh, you will immediately run out of air when you touch bottom, and then you have to swim as a straight well, back.
3: I, I was going to point out, uh, hopefully, that Spartan helmet is is equalizing the pressure because otherwise yeah. your
0: eardrums would be punctured mm. from the, <laughs> from
3: the pressure below, like what twenty feet or something. No, you're you're
0: immune to uh, to all water damage, possibly, and, and this is another huge game changer. So you. Uh, one of the, the big cool things this time is that you have the Spear of Leonidas, which is a first civilization artifact, it turns out. Uh, which if you know the series means that like that has, it, it has, it's actually a, a highly advanced scientific artifact that has abilities that are indistinguishable from magic. Mm. Uh, in this case, one of the big ones is that you can no longer die from falling. You can jump off anything and, uh, you'll take damage at first, but then as you upgrade it, like, you won't take any damage. You can just fall hundreds of feet, do a little flip, and land perfectly fine. So in
3: theory, if Leonidas kicked you into a well, but Mm -hmm. you held onto his
0: spear, you would live. If you had the uh, necessary DNA to get it to work for you, I guess. Because that's another thing, you're you're part of an important lineage in this game. You are a, uh... A grands- uh, I guess grandson or granddaughter of Leonidas. You are a descendant of Leonidas, mm. I should say. And uh, you can play as either Cassandra or as Alexios, two different Spartan mercenaries who are outcasts, and you will experience the same story as one or the other um, with lots of interesting twists along the way. There is a lot of this game to play. Like I said, I'm about 40 hours in. There's still huge chunks of the map that I haven't even revealed yet. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a really fun thing to get lost in. If you liked Origins, uh, it's, it's similar gameplay, where, like, the, the fighting is similar, the uh, mechanic of, like, finding forts and things and, like, killing the commander, looting the treasure, whatever. But now that has other implications, because there is a war going on the Peloponnesian War between Athens and Sparta and you can play a role as a mercenary in it picking sides and now when you ransack a fort like that will lower the power of whoever's in control of a region so like if you are invested in one side or the other it's like I really want Athens to win this place Uh, maybe I shouldn't ransack their forts when they're in power Um, And then when when you uh, get the the nation power down to a a low level, you can open up a conquest battle, which is like a big uh, brawl in an open battlefield with, like, hundreds of on-screen characters and just, like try to kill as many as possible and get paid sounds like it's bringing back that a lot of that was in syndicate where you would uh, have to
3: go into a gang's territory and then you were trying to fight your way up to that gang boss and there would be sort of a gang fight but really it was just a one-on-one fight between you and that boss it's
0: a similar scale or, sorry, no. It's a similar idea, but the scale is much bigger. That's cool. Um, and and really, it is just like you are in the middle of a battlefield. Go find someone to kill. Uh, eventually, like people will reveal themselves who are like commanders. And like go kill them for a bonus. But really, it's just uh, get through this uh, as and, and do as much damage as possible, and you'll get rewarded with loot at the end. Like yeah, but yeah. That was the yeah. like origins had it
3: had like you mentioned the combat the combat is I don't want to say souls-like but it's like mapped to those shoulder buttons Mm -hmm. where there's light attack heavy attack and then there was like loot where it's like dropping different kinds of spears and and stuff like that and you could like you could sell stuff off or I think you could break stuff down for crafting materials to upgrade equipment so that's all still there yep and and you can
0: that's cool you can use the equipment that you break get from broken down gear to upgrade your ship for example oh cool or uh, and you can uh, now recruit people to be lieutenants so like pretty much Oh, except that was in for like four. Like a lot of that stuff was in four with the ship upgrades and then. Well, I mean, yeah, the well the ship upgrades, yeah, but the lieutenants are is that except for certain specific targets that you cannot recruit, pretty much any uh fighter character in the game can be recruited. So like you see a soldier and be like, I'm gonna spare that guy and put him on my crew, or you like See a a powerful like you you now have these powerful mercenaries that are coming after you if you commit crimes and like they will they will start hunting you relentlessly if you beat one non lethally uh, by using your fists by unselecting a weapon um, you can recruit them to your crew and then pick them as lieutenant on on, like the ship screen and they will give like this one has like uh, plus six percent to your armor or uh, this one does extra ramming damage or. And, and and then they sh- they show up on uh, on the deck of your ship. You can unlock a perk that can summon them to to fight for you. There's a lot going on it's, here. It sounds like.
3: The greatest hits of Assassin's Creed it's like, like I'm not saying they're they're taking yeah. stuff from old games. I'm saying like it seems like they've taken a lot of the good stuff from the games that I love and they mm-hmm. brought it forward to this. So it's not just hey, this is Origins part two. It's like Origins, but it, with it's almost like the AC2 Brotherhood. How that completely refined AC2, like with a lot of the cool stuff with the with the Brotherhood itself, where you could like send yeah. people on missions and all L- that. A stuff.
0: A little bit, but think about it as like any enemy is recruitable. That's cool. Like yeah. That's that's pretty neat. I like that a lot. So given that this is the
2: Telltale episode, I want to ask about something that you haven't touched on yet, which Uh, is there are
0: dialogue choices. Mm -hmm. What's the deal with that? So there are dialogue choices. Sometimes it's just like, I want more information about this mission that I'm undertaking. Sometimes it's, uh, I want this conversation to go in a different direction, and you have like a choice of several things. It's like, this will get a... Certain response out of the person you're talking to. Um, sometimes, uh, there will be choices labeled with a heart. And it's like, I, y- if you want to have like a quote unquote romance, which is kind of, there's r- romance. This romance really it's it's just kind of brief flings but, can can you uh, smooch
2: any like historical figures or
0: uh I haven't run into any historical figures, although there is one woman who uh claims to be a descendant of Odysseus who I romanced and then uh, recruited to my crew um and yeah, and also there's no gender distinction. You can romance anyone who's romanceable, regardless of whether you're playing as Cassandra or alexios mm-hmm.
2: so so ancient Greece was more progressive than
0: <laughs> yes. It's very progressive.
3: Yeah, that's weird. There are no historical figures because that's no. Well, I mean, there are historical
0: figures. I just haven't smooched them. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Like you can't, you can't go smooch Pericles, for example. But he is in there. I'm still mad we couldn't romance Da Vinci. I mean, come on.
1: (laughs) He already has. Chris laughs. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about all the fascinating things he could do with my balls.
0: (laughs) But he did give me wings, with a flying contraption. The wind
1: beneath Beneath him.
0: That's right. Yes, yes. He always was. Uh, But that is far from the only game to come out this week. Fist of the North Star, Lost Paradise. I played the crap out of that. It's like Yakuza, but with Fist of the North Star. It's the same. It's the Yakuza developers. And now instead of uh, being a criminal who refuses to kill anyone, you are a hero who can make people explode by punching their heads.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Make drinks. What the fuck is that about? (laughs) Make drinks? Yeah, I don't know. I just kept seeing that on, on social media.
0: No, I haven't seen that. Drink
1: making. It's kind of a wonderful, and it, it's very yakuza, but um, mm. kind of a wonderful scene.
3: But is it the same engine as yakuza? So does it does yes.
0: it play? Like sure, yakuza looks like, combat like it. And everything? It plays like uh, I think it's the yakuza zero engine. So yes, okay,
4: huh. yeah.
0: But good, good so far. Yeah, it, it starts mm. off kind of slow. Okay. Um, the, they're like the the very first thing you do. Um, you're trying to enter into this city of called Eden, and so you're just kind of like standing outside with all these refugees, and you just have to like, okay, I need a permit to get in. Who do I talk to to get a permit? I'll talk to this merchant. Oh, he uh, doesn't really have a permit, but uh, he knows someone who does. Maybe uh, you can talk to them and then they want a precious stone or like a jewel so you talk to the merchants like oh this lady with this dog might have one and she's like, oh I want to give my dog some dog food go talk to the merchant get dog food. so it's it's a little bit of trading uh, interspersed with uh, punching dudes and making them. Explode. That, sound,
3: that sounds more like Shenmue than Yakuza. <laughs> it's yeah, like, here, go here. Oh, that this. It's not actually here. Go chase
4: this. I other mean, thing. I know from the,
0: playing the demo that it does pick up. Uh, but and and certain thing, cool things do happen in the beginning. You get into an arena fight with like. I, it reminded me, it's like, oh, that's right. One of the key things, of Fist of the North Star, is like dudes have like ridiculous gigantism now, and uh, so like you fight a dude who's like forty feet tall. And, uh, you just run up and, like, start pummeling his ankles and try to get him to, to fall over, at which point you, like, climb up onto his the giant cage that housed him, and then he, it's like a more traditional giant boss fight where he just, like, comes up and puts his elbows on the top of the cage, it's like, ah, oh, no, I'm fighting the boss from the waist up, like in every 16-bit game yeah. you had a giant boss. <laughs>
3: <laughs> or that episode of VGA we did where we talked about the giant bosses like Shadow of the Colossus.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Seward yes, of Wrath, there's God of War, there's a whole bunch. There's yeah. So many. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, they have
0: gigantism everywhere except for where, Michael? You, you tweeted about Oh uh, yeah Kenshiro's ass is Weirdly like, And, and that's not a, a comment on the game So much as just The character Whoa, design like, This is important It's sort of a weird Character design Like he's Strangely proportioned He's got like There's not enough Junk in this trunk <laughs> <laughs> well, I weird. demand like, more junk It's like a Barbie doll Body viewed from behind Like, Or like it, I imagine like He was a really Skinny lanky guy Who just like Did a bunch of steroids And like bulked up His legs and his shoulders And his arms But like skipped ass day Everything else Yeah, yeah No it's just, like No squat Just a Straight line.
3: You, you mentioned the action. Here's another title that's sort of nonstop action right from the start. I played uh, Mega Man Eleven. Oh yeah. I played. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I beat two bosses of Mega Man Eleven. I played well, you did most of the me. way through the third area of Mega Man Eleven. Um, and yeah, could not beat it because fuck spike traps. Okay, let's just talk <laughs> for a second. Fuck spike traps. Uh, but the stuff I was able to play and beat was really fun. Like it's it is. It's it's perfectly balanced. Where right? I started with Blockman because I kind of felt like that opening cinematic was kind of pointing me in that direction. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe
0: Well, the demo
1: also, it. I think, started with Blockman. I oh, did it, so, okay. Yeah.
3: Um, and, and I checked. And,
1: you were right. That's the that's the order.
3: Yeah, and so you know, upper left. Uh, and so I went with him, and I literally had me down to like two health slivers, and then I beat him. So it was like that perfect balance of like, okay, I just barely got through this, and then the same thing happened when I played Electro Man. I think it is whatever the electric guy is or whatever. Mm. But then I couldn't get to Acid Man because fuck spike traps. Hmm.
1: I, I got through. I got through Acid Man, but you know how I did it, and this is. My big, my big issue with the game because my big issue with nine and ten that mm-hmm. someone's takeaway was that Mega Man was a brutally difficult game. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. It never was. Never. Yeah. Um, especially as as the series went forward, and I dropped it down to casual because I got so pissed because mm-hmm. yeah. it wasn't. There is no point. Okay, there's a few points, but there's very little point. Like together collectively in every eight the first eight Mega Man games there is maybe three situations that result in you moving forward and instantly dying because you have no idea what's about to happen that happens every five seconds in this game
3: Mm. yeah and it it's old school in that it's once
1: you the old school didn't do li- that.
3: No, but once you go through your lives, what I'm saying is the old school part is it it makes you restart the entire level. There's there's and no that's where I got
1: really upset because when you when you drop the it casual, it's not that I needed enemies to take less damage or that I needed to like I get it. You have to start over when you lose your lives. It's the fucking checkpoints. The yes. idea that like it took and it took me an hour to master how to get past this. I walk through a screen, move. One inch, and then I'm instantly dead because you wanted to surprise me. Ha ha, hilarious! And like, now I have to do all that over again. Fuck you! Mm. Uh, and, and casual, at least had better checkpoints and and more lives. Yeah, that that and was I, kind I, of
0: but, my main issue too. Is like playing on normal, like, is. I mean, again, I don't want to knock the game, but
1: uh, is is
0: this really (laughs) the part that needs to be preserved of Mega Man? That, like, you have this one checkpoint halfway through the stage, another checkpoint just before the boss, and if you lose all your lives, you have to play through the entire stage again? Like,
3: I mean, the the thing is, the stages, just like all Mega Man stages, they've never been that long. And so Mm -hmm. if you have mastered them, Mm -hmm. you can kind of fight your way back through them and, you know, 10 to 15 minutes or something no
1: you can't no Mm -hmm. not in this game you cannot fight your way back quickly through stages most of it is based on like precision and like a brutal aspect of precision and timing Mm. Uh, and I don't think that I don't think that's in the spirit of the older games. I really what, don't. What
3: they what they put in this one, I do want to talk about the new feature, is the gear system. And the gear system is meant to help with that. So the gear system, um, they've mapped to the shoulder buttons. Uh, if you hit the left button, it's like a power gear, which mm-hmm. makes your, your tack, your buster cannon, or whatever you using more powerful. And if you hit the right bumper, it's it slows things down, where you move a little bit slower, but you move faster than the rest of the scene. And so you can you can get through some of the jumping segments, you know, a lot of the platform segments through using that slowdown or whatever Hmm. Uh, but you you have to like condition yourself to remember to use that because that will recharge over time Mm -hmm. and I just kept like forgetting that was there and getting really frustrated and then going like there was one, in in the Blockman level there's one segment where it's like they're hitting you over the head like, no, you need to use your slowdown because you're trying to jump on these stone blocks as they're falling on conveyor belts. Then you have to jump on top of them to, like, get to the next platform up like you can't reach it with your regular jump. Yeesh. And the only way to do that is using the slow gear. And so I think once I get better at remembering that's there, it will become easier to me, but it's really yeah. it's really mm. tough to remember.
1: To to my discredit, I never, I never really got the hang of um, the gears. Just the, the power gear I overutilized on mini-bosses and bosses, but you're right. I think the slow gear could be used a little bit I to don't get you, through. curiosity, have any
2: of you guys played Sonic Mania? Because I yeah, feel like yeah, I love yeah. Sonic that Mania. game does a really wonderful job of balancing what kind of made the original games great with, with a little bit of challenge without being too just punishing for the sake of being punishing. So the- hearing you guys talk about this, I'm like, I'm gonna go play Sonic Mania. <laughs> that sounds way more fun.
3: <laughs> don't get me wrong; like, I think once I play Mega Man a day or two more, like, I'll get good enough where it won't be an issue anymore. But you do need to get good to to actually yeah.
1: progress through certain segments. Mm. Spelled G U D. Yeah, that's exactly. that's, the, that's. But that's my my <laughs> extra large complaint because I don't hate the game at all. I'm still playing it, but the idea that like you know. There's odds are no matter what you think of Mega Man, odds are I'm a bigger fan and played more than you, listeners. <laughs> listeners, I'm talking to you now. Uh, so I, I was just looking around like Jesus Christ. It, it, <laughs> listeners, it doesn't. It, it, and so something feels a little Sonic Four to me about it. And like the jumping, the, the jumping Harsh. wasn't as as precise as I wanted to do. Certain things are way slower. I don't feel like the slide goes as far. I felt my I felt. I was having a hard time like getting the slide to work when I needed it to and there are situations where you fucking need it to and like dude i don't know how how i can press down and a in any other combination there's
3: something with the analog stick i'm noticing where like i can't i won't stay facing the right direction but i found if i use the d-pad because it's the digital or whatever Mm -hmm. like it 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 will stay the right direction but i was having that trouble a lot during vice fights like it would automatically go back to the right like maybe it was like my analog stick snapped back the wrong direction or something where it was like it was actually hindering what i was doing this is a good opportunity to bring up um we got codes for this so (laughs) we, we shouldn't mention uh thank you to our friends there but um but no, I mean, I'm I'm only, like I said, I beat two bosses. I'm like three levels in of the whatever. And it's, it is a very good one of those is what I immediately tweeted about. It. I'm like, yep, it's a mm-hmm. Mega Man game. It's a good one of those.
1: Just, so- and it's way better than 10. And it looks like I was playing on Xbox One X. And it looks amazing. It it's, looks it's very astonishing. beautiful. Yeah,
3: it's it's anime come to life. Like it's a, it's an anime game. And I never think of Mega Man as an anime game, hmm. but it really yeah. is. It's anime.
0: Yeah, that's why curious.
1: most people are into anime because that's where they got it from. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> hmm. and, I'm just kind of
0: <laughs> shocked that you were able to play a 2D game using the analog stick. I always use the D-pad for those.
6: Like I said, I had, uh, to, I, I had to fiddle yeah.
1: around with both. I just felt I felt like I was doing something wrong in the controls. I couldn't get I couldn't get them to jump in the right place. I couldn't. I can't land a shot. Uh, uh, this 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 Mega Man shot I'm usually really good at, and I just I don't know. There's just a couple things like that, and I'll probably get used to it. But it's just like that. All that stuff immediately worked in nine and ten. And granted, this is a different age. So this felt a lot to me like Mega Man 8. Mm. <laughs> oh, mm.
3: One thing I do want to point out for the, the OG hardcore fans, um, that whole rumor about when you jump and the, the screen transition, how you don't stay floating in the air, uh-huh. that's not true. That only happens on certain screens when it's transitioning. Oh, okay. I think on bosses, like you, do, you fall back down to the ground. Mm-hmm. But on certain areas... Where you do it? Yep, you just stay floating. It transitions, and then you you complete your jump. Beautiful. Effort. So don't worry about that, guys. If if, if you weren't going to buy the game for that, actually, fucking worry about that. Don't even bother. <laughs> like fuck you. If like, you weren't going to buy I the game, game for that, yeah, don't
2: buy the game. Yeah. <laughs> Another game that this conversation has really made me want: Beautiful Joe.
3: Where yes. Is- yeah. Yes. Where,
2: bring it back. Bring it back, y'all!
3: I bring that game up every chance it's I can great. on this
2: show. It's a great game! Absolutely. Oh,
3: really? Go listen to our shark episode. We did a thing all about the shark boss. This this wasn't
2: me like pandering to you. I legitimately no. just really like no, beautiful no, no. Joe. You're the
3: guy that called Chris at Capcom though
2: and demanded they bring back beautiful <laughs> Joe, right? Uh, I'm not, but I'm sure we're friends.
1: I should have gotten pictures of my cat looking at me for the first time in our entire relationship, where I'm screaming "fuck you" like at the screen. <laughs> Fuck this shit like so mad. Yeah. So fucking mad. I got a text from Chris that just said
3: fuck Mega Man eleven and I responded like fuck Spike Traps. <laughs> like, it was like camaraderie over a hatred for, for some of those cheap dudes. Dude, wow. none
1: of that is my problem. I get I that's I could I could write a nifty little essay. Mega Man typically shows you what's about to kill you and how it's about to kill you before it kills you and you just need to look for those tells. This not unlike ten doesn't have any of that. You just walk into an X screen and like, oh, you didn't know how big your st- how long your stun animation was for? How big your hitbox is? How big that thing's hitbox is? It's bigger than you think, and it's going to hit you. You're going to fall on a conveyor belt and die instantly, undoing like an hour's worth of progress. Yeah. And I don't. I just don't. That's that. I don't know who thought that was the classic Mega Man experience. I still don't. It's my problem with nine and ten as well. Um, that I never had that. I never had that case. And I'm not a very good player. Um. Well, since since you mentioned
0: that we we got given the codes, although I didn't, I bought it. Uh, I should say that uh, talking about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, the reason I've been playing it for two weeks is because I am a Ubisoft employee. Um, but I, I do just genuinely you love shill. that game. Shill, I, know, no know. You, I will, I will happily <laughs> shell for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It is a wonderful game. It is one of the best Assassin's Creeds since four, and uh, I'm I, I can't stop playing it. It's I, spoken like a
3: true shill. I'm
0: a huge AC fan. Yeah, as well. and and, and the. The Rush Assassination is a new ability that lets you throw this spear to basically just teleport assassinate people while you're in stealth, and you can chain it like up to, I think, four different times, and it's great. That sounds wonderful. It, it is. sounds like Dishonored. Yeah.
1: Anyway. I, yeah, I did not mean to. I, I'm enjoying Mega Man 11. It's just like.
3: There, there are things, there are things, challenges to overcome with that game. So, for sure.
1: The things I didn't want to see from the previous games are right there and it's just very frustrating. But again, you drop it in a casual, which, which hurts me more than anything to have to play a game on a casual setting. Just just for some sense of normalcy and, like, a respect for my time. Mm. Ugh, it makes me so mad. Speaking of casual, uh,
3: let's talk about the casual racer that you played, Chris. How about Forza right. 4? What do you think of that? <laughs>
1: yes. I went through Forza uh, Horizon 4. Yeah, Forza Horizon 4. Forza Horizon 4. I, and this is not news to anybody, but, like, it just sort of... I don't know. Like, I, I felt really good about it. It's just that, like, I downloaded the demo for Forza and I just had an urge to play Forza 4 and I'm like I have three hours before I have to you know this file's exporting I don't have to be anywhere for three hours uh, what if I play Forza today because you know if you pay, get that like hundred dollar ultimate edition on Xbox one game uh, mm-hmm. first party games you can play them a couple days early yep and I was like do I want to do that I saw some people on social media were doing that having a good time it's Forza you know what you're getting um, should I do that I'm like that's just fucking stupid I did that with Gears I'm not going to do that here and but I was close. I was very close to spending a hundred dollars to play the game three days early because I didn't know if I'd have time to just relax and drive around this beautiful world. Just just and,
3: subscribe to Game Pass, by the way. You and then, then I remembered there. Game Pass. Yeah. You
1: get it for a whole year for a yeah. hundred bucks. Um and oh, I just did that and like immediately got forcing. <laughs> Yeah, you get Forza fours 4. Yeah.
3: You get you get Sea of Thieves. You get uh, State of Decay. You get 2, every, like, everything first the, the, party. The yeah.
1: last best racing game that exists on Rush is on there as well. Yep. You get DMC. DMC, DMC is on there. It's wonderful. Like, every so often, I look
0: on there and it's like, oh shit, I don't have that, but I always yeah. kind of been wanting to play it. Yeah. There's, there's it. a lot. It's of like was, I was since
1: I was this close to dropping a hundred dollars on a Microsoft first party thing, it was like a no fucking brainer. So if you think you're about to buy a first party Microsoft exclusive in the next year get game pass. Jesus is it wasn't it worth it. Holy shit.
3: And we all uh, we know what Forza Horizon is, but tell me how good does it look on the 1X?
1: Oh, it looks it looks a- astonishing. And like I, I don't know. I, it, it seems dumb because Forza games are now annoyingly annual. They go from like regular game to Horizon and I'm a bigger fan of the Horizon games. But I didn't re- like if you look at the cover the thing they're playing up is fucking autumn. <laughs> yeah, it's seasons. They they add
3: the seasons and and the demo like takes that first race is just like you start in the fall, winter, spring, summer, and and it culminates, of course, with you racing fucking planes and motorcycles because it wouldn't be a Forza Horizon game if you didn't race something that wasn't a, a car. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it's just it's not only it's 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 a hard thing to recommend. Maybe I will sound like an old man, but like this is fucking relaxing. Mm-hmm. The music is great. I. It just struck me that we had... I haven't seen many games do autumn. Like, the the browning of the leaves and shit like that. Like, it looks looks amazing. You've seen summer and winter and rain and all that shit, but autumn, it's a really pretty experience. And, like, I don't know, the game's more cathartic to me. I know it's about racing and style and all that shit, but with the rewind button there's like no frustration in the game at all yeah the rewind button's
3: so cool it's just like you're you've driving just like, oh, around like, yeah, that, maybe that.
1: maybe you play online but like i don't i'm just tooling around this whole world hitting races doing stunts and i i think it's phenomenal
3: you're, yeah you, it, it, the difference between horizon and the regular forza games is you get it's open world you can find like stunts and stuff like that or there's those speed zones where you just try to go as fast as you can and you kind of break records um but you, have you played any online stuff, or is it just you, just kind of digging around?
1: No, just me. I, I never really played it online before, and I just, I mean, here's hoping. Like, that, one of the best things I didn't hear enough people talking about was Forza's uh, Hot Wheels DLC. Yeah. Just, like, yeah, filling, cool. like, if you filled Hawaii, if you connected every island in Hawaii with orange loops and ramps, <laughs> that's what it was like.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: It was amazing, and I hope they do something like that—something that weird and out there again. And I have to imagine they'll try and top themselves. Maybe they'll but, like,
0: mend their fences with Sony and make it Forza Horizon Zero Dawn and introduce a bunch of robot oh, dinosaurs. Oh, somehow I
1: doubt it. We just
3: got Fortnite crossplay. Come on, come on. Can I hope.
1: somehow? Somehow I doubt it. Just because, like, I'm—you're right. I don't know. You're right. Dear listener, I don't know what other first-party exclusives Microsoft has in the pipeline. This is it for this. But, Th- this is their
3: holiday release, and that's that's a little crazy. Um, I was just going to ask you they, how they release
1: this... down. Is there a release date for Crackdown 3? <laughs> <laughs> holiday it...
3: 2019. Um, I was going to ask you, how do the seasons work? Like, in the game, the, the demo just kind of showed them to you in, in one race, but how do they actually work? Is it—
1: Well, That's that's the only way I've seen them. I've, I haven't seen them, like, anything transition mid-race. Mm-hmm. But just sort of like when you're trying out a new car, you you can like quick travel over to another track and like the season will just be different. But it uh, it does give it does it does give some of the tracks a little a little different flavor. I've never been really big on weather effects, but they've also never been this beautiful.
3: Yeah, they're dude. I, that's one thing I was noticing. So like the winter level, like those are some slick ass roads. Like usually it's like yeah. it, when it's rainy and stuff, it's like ah, oh, it's a little, the traction's not as great. But this is like oh my god, this is like a Mario fucking platform. Like I'm sliding off things. But then the the water effects on the screen were a bit annoying. Where it's like, okay, I can't I can't see when I'm racing. I went through a puddle and now I am blind for the <laughs> next like 200 yards. I got to have that Y button on the ready to rewind. Are you
1: first personing it? I saw Dan give this Dan Ammer give this advice today. I
3: play racing games not from the true first not the cockpit view that like shows the. Like the, the, the true cockpit, yeah. I don't, I don't fucking care about that. I play from the next level down, which is I can see the hood of the car and the road, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I will play where you just like you're on the road, like you're just a being on the road.
1: Yeah, sometimes I <laughs> am <on> the road. <laughs> <laughs> I Gate saw Man. Dan g- give it the advice today, but you can modify any vehicle eventually with enough points to being all wheel drive, which nice. will occasionally affect their cornering, but like. You won't really have to worry about weather conditions if you find a car you like.
3: Yeah, but you can't do that cool Dukes of Hazard shit if you're all-wheel drive. You got to have the rear-wheel drive, the American muscle. Let me tell you what it's like. But like,
1: as is the case with Forza, like I barely played it, and I have way more credits, points, stuff to purchase stuff with than I, I know what to do with right now. So when this you? is, I, I love the Horizon games. I don't. I haven't really touched one of the regular games in a while, but the Horizon games are like. Super arcadey and just nice, fun. Not not sim-y, not car Open porn. Open world, fun. Yeah.
3: Speaking of nonstop action, Michael and I finally got some time with yeah. Life is Strange episode or Life is Strange two episode one. Yes, um, where. Yeah, I, I started it. I didn't get that far in, but Michael, I think you're a lot further. along I finished I the first. Episode, you finished? Okay, yeah. so it's about a four hour
2: four hour experience. Uh,
4: something like, something that. like
3: that. Yeah. Wow,
2: that's actually a pretty lengthy episode.
3: It yeah, might have been closer like two or three. Their their episodes, yeah, were a little bit longer. But um, I I can say you know for the bit I've played, I've only like an hour or something. Is like it's very much a life is strange game, mm-hmm. uh, in that like you know it opens with like the atmospheric music and like, Oh, there's a lot of forests and Pacific Northwest stuff going on. And this one's based in Seattle. Whereas the last one was Arcadia Bay. Um, it starts the game right there asking like, Hey, what, what was your choice at the end of season one? Did you sacrifice Arcadia Bay or not? And I had to give that some thought because actually I think I saw both endings. I'm like, which ending do I think Hmm. I I I chose to, to save it, um, because I was hoping maybe I'd get to visit it in this game. If I, if I did save it and Hmm. just go to shit. But, um, one thing I will notice. So, uh, I loved Life is Strange season one. I lo- loved it. Loved the characters. Loved Max. Loved Chloe. Max was like super awkward but endearing. But what I noticed with this one is like just in the hour I played, like it's it's a little cringy. Like the writing, like they're writing for young kids, and mm-hmm. it's and it's present day is is yeah. my assumption. Whereas Life is Strange was almost a little bit well, out it's, of it's twenty
0: sixteen. It establishes okay, that, okay. and and you can actually. It's it's sort of interesting that you can look at the main character Sean's phone and scroll through all of his text messages and like it's it's getting toward Halloween, it's like October or something, yeah. and like you're messaging back and forth with your best friend, and at one point she's like, God, I hope he doesn't win. Oh, it'll just be the worst. Yeah. yeah. Well that actually Trumpism
3: plays a big part in the plot of this. But, yes, but, it but, does. and we'll get there. But what I was going for was Life is Strange Season 1 felt a little bit out of time, like it was supposed to be sort of present day or or recent past, but then it had like a very 90s vibe to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was just unique. It was like, this is like no period piece or no time that ever, that ever really existed, but it did harken back kind of nostalgic feelings. Whereas this is like very, even, yeah, 2016, might as well be present day at that point, but yeah, but what along with that comes like, when they try to write for like here's two youths talking to each other and mm. it's it's cringe, man. Like when, when she when she called him you're a thirsty bitch, that's where I was just like
0: mm, that felt a little forced. That right, felt I weird. I don't yeah. know how teenagers talk. I'm a forty year old man for God's sake.
2: <laughs> true, true. But Though, um, so are the creators of this game. Yeah that <laughs> so. that I
3: think that's the point I'm trying to make is I was just a little bit you have to be careful when you write like that because it's like well dude, yeah, I haven't been there, I haven't been in that you know, mind space in years, and so it is tough to write for kids, and right now, I can't tell if it's just cringy, or I can't tell, like, Michael, you were talking like, the protagonist or the older brother yeah. is sort of an asshole, or he's just He can be. He's annoying. It, it
0: depends on how you play him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, what I was saying is that the, the younger brother, Daniel, is oh, kind okay. of annoying, and that he's Seems to be somewhere between 9 and 12 years old. I think it might say his age, but I forget what it is. But he acts like he's about 4. Yeah. Yeah. He he kind of just doesn't really understand uh, a lot of the predicaments he's in. Uh, He seems kind of gullible. He'll believe whatever you tell him.
3: When that plays into, like, the whole thing with this game is, like, the choices you make, you're ultimately going to end up shaping the morality of your younger brother. Hmm. And... um, I guess I won't. Let's not spoil this one, but let's just say that will. The younger brother has. There's something special about him that yes. we think will play into later episodes, and that is actually like a big one of the big plot twists of this episode
0: mm-hmm. comes about. Yeah. Uh, be, you know, because of these these this these gifts that he mm-hmm. has. But I mean, yeah, you you think it's going to go in a a direction similar to the first series, and it yeah. it wildly diverges. Yeah. Um, but one thing I will say is like I. So th- that's good to know about the, the little brother's morality because I kind of felt like my choices, the choices that I made weren't that impactful. Like, mm. uh, I won't, I won't spoil too much, but there is a part where you have an opportunity to do a bad thing that would be advantageous to you at the time. Mm-hmm. And I chose not to do it and I still got treated as though I had done the bad thing. Yeah. Um, part of this is I, th- I think that I that might be deliberate because, They, you are playing a Mexican American character, Mm -hmm. and they kind of want to drive home this feeling of racism, and like the the character who treats you as though you've done the bad thing is like, as soon as we build that wall, we'll get you people out of here. Maybe Mm -hmm. I should just call ice on you. You're probably not even a citizen. It's very topical in that way. So in that sense, like the making the quote unquote good choice can make you kind of feel the effects of that racism more because it's completely unjustified in that case. Yeah. like you haven't done anything to deserve this, but they're still making these horrible assumptions about you.
3: But at its core, it's, it's like a buddy road picture, right? in that yes. like you're you're both kind of going out uh, on the road and you're traveling through like, so you start in Seattle, but it's Pacific Northwest, which you know, once you get outside of the big cities when you're in like Washington and when you're in Oregon, it's like, Yeah, it's not those aren't necessarily great progressive spaces. And so like there's we mentioned the Trumpism, like you are straight up like there's a straight up bigots in this game, right? Mm. That are like calling out your characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um but so you played through the whole episode one, you're gonna keep playing, you're gonna go to episode two? Yeah, probably. Cool.
0: Cool. But I mean, you know, I I don't wanna overplay the, the role that bigots play in this because it's all things considered it's fairly small. Okay. And it's really more about like You know, the building this relationship with your little brother who, you know, up up to this point, you've kind of had this, you know, you're just sort of the jerk older brother who pushes him around sort of relationship. That's, I think, common in a lot of between a lot of brothers. Uh, But then you are suddenly thrust into this completely different role where you have to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's about that shifting dynamic and about how you adapt to that role.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I, I I was just kind of taking some time because I didn't get much time to play it. I was I was reading just kind of other people's thoughts on the game. And one of the things that I did notice that I've loved about season 1 and it's already in in season 2 is what Life is Strange has always been really good at is is normcore. Like it's about I'm the cool. it's the little details of life. It's it's kinda like the slice of life stuff where it's like you're in his room and you can just kind of explore and it's like it's very much like what a teenager's room would have in it. Like mm-hmm. the stuff I remembered when I was a teenager, like would have been in my room. And those like quiet moments of reflection are what made season one special. And so those are in this season, but then this season is also trying to do some big loftier things with the story. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully over the course of the entire season they will execute that successfully. But I think if you like those little like normcore moments like that's in this game. So Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's same same developer. It's it's Don't Nod. Yeah. Uh check it out if you like if you like season 1, I, I think mean, it's I, worth
0: checking I out. I liked what two. I played and uh it's actually what reminded me to bring up the results board because it it has that like the yeah. classic Telltale oh, you did this, but most players did this, or whatever.
3: Yeah, I'd love that in the first one. And then the first one had the thing where you would just take pictures of certain things where there was kind of like a collection mm. mechanic in the game that you were always on the lookout. They, they were like, it was like little riddles where like you would have a sketchbook that would show you something that would that was a hint for, here's what you need to take a picture of, and then, or, or something you had to do in the environment. And then it wasn't always li- a literal translation of it. You know, I'm, I can't think of a good example right now, but it would be like... Just a word spelled out, you know, in the, in the book. And then what you would have to do in, in the actual game was go up and like. You know, write graffiti on a wall or something like that. That, mm. that they'd be related. So, uh, but yeah. So, looking forward to playing all the the rest of the way through episode one and, and the rest of the episodes. Cause, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of was nice to get back in that state of mind with like, oh yeah, Life is Strange got the music going.
0: Oh yeah. Man, how did we find time to play all this shit?
3: I have no
1: idea. No idea.
2: <laughs> Dude, I'm still trying to finish Spider Man. Oh, I don't man. know. What I talk- need to go
1: back uh, and me, do. Me that. too. I, I was. I platinumed like, it. <laughs> I want to do a spoiler episode. When? wah, wah. Speaking of games. That, oh, that ate up too much time for me. I, you guys got to help me. I'm back on my Destiny 2 shit.
3: Oh, no, I actually heard <laughs> Forsaken's very good. <laughs> it's very good. I keep playing. I can't stop playing Forsaken. Um, and that was a huge distraction because I'm trying to get through these other games. I'm trying to finish Spider Man so we can do. Uh, we're gonna do our spoiler cast, folks. We promise. I think Chris, you platinumed it. And- You beat me to it. Um, But we'll get there. But yeah, no, I just keep playing Destiny 2 Forsaken because it's really good. They had their hooks in deep. They brought back the dailies, which was something from Destiny 1 that hadn't been around in 2. And so now, like every night you log in, there's a reason to do stuff. And there's shit to do and a lot of shit to do. And it's like overwhelming and it's super fun. But I am... I did hit the wall, the soft cap that they warn you about at 500. It's there. Like once you hit light level 500, that is... They call it a soft cap. That is a soft cap. It's tough to scrape above that, and so save your your powerful mission or powerful gear reward missions and stuff until you reach there, and hopefully you can inch your way up to to the true cap, which some people are saying is like late level six hundred, but it's, it'd be really tough to get there. I haven't seen anyone out in in the wild with anything above like a five forty 540 or five forty
0: five. So, I also wanted to talk briefly about a game that came out last week, Time Spinner, yeah, uh, by Chucklefish. The same people who put out, um, Stardew Valley. And if you like Symphony of the Night, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, this is kind of a must play because it, it both nails the mechanics of Symphony of the Night and it also is like a total homage to the point where like the menus look the same, the fonts in the menus look the same. You, uh, manage abilities by with these relics that you can turn on and off. there's one that like you find early on that will reveal the names of your enemies as you hit them like there's so much stuff that's like, yeah, this feels totally like Symphony of the night it's, if
3: you beat it and there's an upside down castle mm, me, oh we have gosh. To talk. <laughs> I,
0: I hope there is. I've been through a few scene changes already so. okay.
3: if you can what was the the ultimate percentage of Symphony of the night when you when you beat. Really, the whole thing. It was. It was not a hundred percent. It was like
0: two hundred something. It was, it was a bit like an odd
3: yeah. number. It was like two hundred and four or something, yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Cool. But do you yeah. like it? Oh yeah. No. How, I how love much it is for- that one? That's twenty bucks. Okay. Nineteen okay. ninety nine. Nice. So, yeah. Either that, or wait for the, the the pack we talked about last week, the the Castlevania, where it's a Symphony of mm. the Night and Rondo of Blood. Oh, that's
0: finally coming to a system! I'm gonna play. Yes, not like the Wii version, which is. I, I'm also hoping it gets a translation because the the Wii version that was available on uh, the eShop was like, it's all in Japanese, so it's like has these cutscenes like I don't know what's going on, <laughs> man at least translate the text
2: i'm late to the party but stardew valley is amazing just yeah, wanted to say no, that. I, I was telling yeah, you chucklefish phenomenal.
3: is quickly becoming my replacement for devolver digital as like the kind of quirky publisher that puts kind of cool stuff out there
2: i'd argue there's room for both but yeah. like i'm no, in- no, no, incredibly yeah, yeah, course, impressed <laughs> by by what chucklefish has been able to produce
3: <laughs> well a tiny build too with the uh, what's the one that that is that is stardew valley but with graveyards oh graveyard uh, keeper yeah, yes. yeah, yeah i oh, love that one so many good indies I, out there i was
0: so addicted to that for weeks yeah. Yeah,
3: I hope I hope they get the the attention they deserve. I mean, they're coming out. This is Murderer's Row of like big game releases. Oh, so yeah. they come out with the, with a smaller game. Like it's Time it's
0: gonna get bloody. Yeah, we, were,
3: we so, were in that spot too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Scott, tell us about Super Mario Party.
2: I know nothing about Super Mario. Great, Party. wonderful.
3: Yeah. Neither do I, Michael. Me neither, Chris.
1: Want to play that
2: game? I like Mario Party. I don't know anything about the new one. What? You I like will Mario play Party. It. I do. Who I actually do. Yeah. Yeah. Who invited you? It's like vodka? a <laughs> board game, but with like dumb Mario bullshit. It's I don't know. They're fun. Dumb luck. It I mean, dumb oh movie. yeah, a lot of it is just <laughs> luck. <laughs> some of the mini games though are like genuine, like you know, just classic arcade. Like oh, you have to really get a butt mashing, or ah, oh, your like sense of timing. I don't know. There's like some level of skill in the mini games. A lot of it's total so luck what's,
1: though. What's the bullshit? You have to have. You have to buy another set of Joy Cons because you can only play them with Joy Cons. Oh, really? But probably, oh, yeah, there's, really? they're probably
3: like shaking minigames and, and stuff like that, that.
1: Yeah, it never occurred to me when I paid you $90 for a pro controller, I wouldn't be able to play Mario Party with it.
3: <laughs> Dude, if you're trying to play Mario Party on a
0: pro controller,
1: <laughs> I want to know that. Oh, conce- man, I can't flip a pancake with this? Bummer. <laughs> is,
0: it, is that the one you can't play it in docked mode or you can't play it in handheld mode? I think handheld probably.
3: You pr- well, I think what Chris is saying, if you need the Joy-Con, you probably yeah, yeah, can't yeah.
0: play it in handheld
3: mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, but there's, like, exclusive handheld mode modes.
3: Huh. Hmm.
1: Did you not see that?
0: No. Yeah, missed it.
1: Yeah, you can link up two systems and everything. Mm. It's weird.
0: Huh. Well, uh, (laughs) let's move on to...
2: What a hellish fucking soundscape. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before somehow. No, well, I'm
0: pretty sure we played you it we last did... time
2: you were on. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever been on this podcast. <laughs> yes, I've been yeah. on Laser Time. No, have been, been on been this
4: Empire. Show. Wait, really?
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was a couple of years ago. Probably. But you were on here. <laughs> All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> hellish soundscape. <laughs> <laughs> it's skew
2: Also, depending on the age of your listeners, there's going to be a lot of <laughs> stuff in there that they don't even recognize. That's
0: right. That's true. Typewriters, modems. uh, (laughs) I feel like if you're under like if you're like like,
2: 13 or younger, you probably have no idea that landline phones were a thing.
0: No, that's fine. Maybe I'm on my. It's like those uh, kids react to videos where they hand them like a floppy disk and like, oh, this must be an MP3 player. So we
3: tease it a couple times. I didn't actually write it down. But, yeah, you t- let's talk about uh Randy Pitchford has $3 million <laughs> stolen from him by a personal assistant. That sucks. Uh, Gearbox is Randy you Pitchford. The man who prides himself on being a magician. uh He just got taken for three mil by, I guess, a former assistant. Allegedly. Allegedly, Allegedly. yeah. yeah. I don't have anything more to say oh, about that, that story. That's the whole story. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. But, he,
1: but he, they talk to the guy, and he's like, no, I didn't. I'm like – Ooh, that guy's good. <laughs> but, Ooh, he's good. No, no I, he's thought he had,
2: I thought he had, like, fled the country or something. I thought they couldn't find the guy. Isn't that the situation? Like, he had no, agreed he to pay... The, like, they caught him, and he was like, Oh, yeah, I owe them some money. And the court ordered him to, to pay back a certain amount, and then he disappeared. That did happen, That's the story yeah. that I read. Maybe there have been more developments I've I have know, been following. Be.
3: I just want to believe, because Randy Pitchford, I guess, practices magic, that it was like kind of like... What's the brother's name? Is it Job? Job. Job? Like a Job situation where he's just trying to pull off this this magical heist. Illusions, Michael. You don't have time for my illusions.
0: (laughs) Now you see me. Now you don't. And then he walks out. I think one of the reasons I sit at court is because he said he didn't know it was missing until he... Found that he couldn't make payroll, and like, oh "Oh, god, shades of Telltale. That's bad. So the story that I read
2: was it said very specifically that this was Randy Pitchford's money, not
1: Gearbox's money.
3: Yeah, this was yeah, this was Pitchford getting taken. Not it was yeah, it wasn't a studio thing. Because I
0: I just remembered the line about payroll. So I don't
1: know. Well, the, the payroll for the um his wife's business venture oh maybe that's what it was
0: i again I, I just remember, there I remember like being that?
2: explicitly clear like multiple times this was not gearbox this was randy pitchford specifically yeah it
1: wasn't gearbox but like his wife has a uh gaming uh pff, what do you call it not a studio they don't make games you play games there what do you, what do you call like, like a land center like, a, like a, ca- a nerd. It's got a real dumb nerd arcade. Oh, okay.
0: The couple discovered in 2017 they didn't have enough money in an account to meet payroll at a coffee shop Christy Pitchford owns, leading them to Martin. I guess Martin go. is the assistant.
3: Okay. Uh, next news story. Blizzard co-founder Mike Morheim is stepping down after 27 years. Uh, so, Morheim is one of the founders. More like the- Lesheim! <laughs> Sorry.
2: Jesus!
3: <laughs> Scared me with Someone that. Had um, Someone had to do it. Someone had to do it. He's being replaced by World of Warcraft executive producer Jay Allen Brack uh, as the new president. But yeah, Morheim was there. He was one of the co-founders. Um, and so this, when you talk about, like, the Rob Pardo's leaving, um, I think there's only one more founder still there. Alan Adam is, is still there at Blizzard, mm. but... Yeah, it's most most of Blizzard's kind of founding members are now gone. They they've moved on. He, he's staying on in an advisory role, as typically happens in, in these kind of things. But yeah, I hmm. don't know. I don't know what to make of this. I, for me, it's like the dude probably has more money than God, mm-hmm. and if he wants to enjoy that money, like more yeah, power, he to might him. just be like, thinking just like, it. "It's time yeah. to
0: retire."
1: Yeah, be like Bill Gates, just because you know, I was expecting scandal until like twenty seven years, like Jesus. Yeah. I, I've never
2: done anything stop working years. after 27 years. Yeah. yeah. The, like, I was thinking about this recently. The longest I've had a job was, like, four and a half, mm. just due to circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> Please just keep
3: closing. the
1: podcast guy.
3: Yeah, he founded – look, he co-founded Blizzard as uh, Silicon and Synapse in 1991, uh, and he served as its president since 98. So and he, he was the CEO role in 2007. Um. Yeah, but he wasn't. He's one of those guys. He was. Um. He's a bit like a wada. Like he wasn't just like a suit. Like he was actually a programmer, and he served as a producer and executive producer on stuff. So like he got his hands dirty. Like he he helped make the games. Um. So yeah, I think I think this is it's big news, and especially for Blizzard fans, like this is kind of end of an era
0: type stuff. Still stuck on the twenty seven years. Like man, that's like how long Trump's been president. That's how long (laughs) twenty eighteen's been.
4: Uh. Oh. (laughs) Uh, So related Blizzard
3: news There might be a new Diablo announcement Hmm. Uh, And so this is people Kind of piecing together things Where there's a panel at BlizzCon They they announced their schedule for BlizzCon And one of the panels is called Diablo What's Next Um, And it's in the slot that typically, historically, has been the slot where they've announced new things at mm. BlizzCon. So people are just kind of, you know, putting two and two together and saying, "Yeah." So
0: if they put if they stylized it with the number in the title, do you think that it'd be Deforblow or Diabforo? We were just talking about this today. <laughs> we were, we, I,
3: I, I made a bad drive threer joke, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then my drive threer joke was Adam Driver needs to have a son, and that son need, he needs to be named Adam Driver. The second, then that son needs to have another son named Adam Driver, the third. But it would just Adam Drive three R, yes. and that would be perfect and complete mm-hmm. the trilogy. I agree. <laughs> and
1: and all of all of those sons need to have the same voice as Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, just <laughs> like Adam right. Driver.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't this new game need to be Diablo Quattro, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure, a Quattro, it. but it's not like <laughs> it's not Diablo Dos y Tres. It's yeah.
2: Just, well, they fucked it up the last two times. Sure. <laughs>
1: Well, I didn't read this article here, but I remember I read uh, what was the Japanese disaster? No jokes. Uh, The the natural disaster that delayed the Nintendo Direct. There was an earthquake.
0: Yeah, that's right. There was like a typhoon. There was an earthquake,
1: and they were. I thought they said there was supposed to be an announcement at that about a Switch Diablo collection that was every Diablo, possibly. Maybe a company Diablo 3
3: coming out on Switch, because that's coming up fairly soon as well.
1: I Look, I don't care about Diablo. I had to have read this somewhere. So, like, I'm not... This isn't a wish. Not I'm not hoping for have. anything. You just made it up. You are dreaming
3: about I, cow levels.
1: What a fucking lame dream. <laughs> they're going to make... They're going to port destroy all humans. You get that mad loot like, in your dream? Come on.
3: No. Uh, so oh, yeah, what a
0: terrible dream. It,
3: There'll be a third Paul Blart movie. Listen, if they announce a I new Diablo, it. it would be like the least surprising announcement yeah. ever. Like, of course, a new Diablo is being worked on.
0: Now, if they re- announced Warcraft four, that would be a surprise. You know, what's more surprising to me is the number of kids who, who
3: call it Diablo. Okay, if you do that shit in front of me, we're gonna have a conversation. It's Diablo.
1: I pronounce it uh, as uh, the kid from Shadow of the Colossus pronounces his horse Diablo. <laughs> Diablo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, you're weird. Uh, For years, I thought that horse was named Aaron. I should be in bed. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Any Harry Potter fans?
3: Uh, Any Harry Potter fans in the show? No. No? No? no. Read another book. Uh, Anyone see that leaked footage of the alleged open world
1: Harry Potter game? Man, I was more excited because this allegedly means that the studio that made Split Second and Pure and fucking Toy Story Toy Box (laughs) are... Warner Brothers bought yeah, them. It's Avalanche. Oh, I didn't you're, know you're, talking about, you're talking about Avalanche. So the
3: rumor is, this, it? at first, people thought this was the next Rocksteady joint, and then it was like, no, no. They, they, I guess they came out and said it's definitely not Rocksteady. It might be Avalanche. Uh, the funniest thing about this was, it was leaked. The guess the guy's username was
1: Vape This Bro. Chris, did
3: you leak this news? No, no, I would. I would. <laughs> um, you all know. So, I don't use the word term. The bro. story is he. This guy was a part of this like panel in a mall or something, and, and a focus yeah, it was group. like a focus group, I, and I, he wasn't supposed to record anything. But then his story is, well, they never had me sign the NDA, man. So he just recorded this game footage and put it out there. But he had like the official description. I'm wondering if he like took a picture of some description that they showed them or something, um, and it sounded like. A marketing ass marketing text for for a Vigi game. So uh, yeah, Harry Potter fans have that
2: to look forward to. Nice,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, nothing surprising <laughs> about it. If,
2: if it's legit, that's not surprising. Yeah. If it's not legit, that's also not surprising, I just mean, for different reasons. There's
0: been uh, an open world Harry Potter
3: game already. Um, there has. That's the thing is, as a Harry Potter fan, I'm very intrigued, very excited. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the rumor is this thing might be set in like the 1880s. So it's what? like before all the Harry Potter stuff, huh. but. As someone who has played Harry Potter Vidio games, I am not excited in the slightest.
1: Yeah, there's never been so much fucking room for improvement.
3: <laughs> what I am excited about, they added, or they're adding three new games to Nintendo's online Switch service already, and those games are Super Dodgeball, Solomon's Key, and NES Open Tournament Golf. Uh, I could wow, one good game. Yeah, which, well, which one do you think is good, Super Dodgeball?
1: That game is so fucking good, good, for real. Solomon's it's Key really I played great. a
3: shit ton of when I was growing up, and that is a hmm. really good game as well. Is it? Yes. Right. It
1: is. It sounds like, it just sounds like a much older game yeah. that should have been on the NES. It sounds like a fucking Coleco game. <laughs> if you had to
3: make a choice between, never mind, I was going to make a it Bible was, joke, was, you
0: guys won't get that joke. It was somehow related to Mighty Bomb Jack, wasn't it? Like, they, they were yeah. by the same company, but then I think there were like little crossover elements between them. I didn't play Mighty Bomb Jack, but that sounds well. Like you should have.
3: How dare I?
5: Are
2: we going to cleave a game in two. Is that where you were going? Yes,
3: I was making a Bible joke. You guys, fine. Thank you, Scott, for <laughs> understanding that uh, Solomon reference. Um, so, speaking of, of, how about this segue? Speaking of written stories that are that are Bible-like in length, uh, the CD Project Red will not agree to pay Witcher author additional royalties. And so, what's his name? Alexei Sapowski or
4: something? Uh, I, I can't...
3: Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to try. He's, he was demanding millions from CD Projekt Red after initially selling the rights to the developer for a lump sum rather than a percentage of sales. Ouch. That has to hurt. And, and basically, this case, he's just saying, well, I only sold you the rights for one game. You've since made three very successful games. You owe me more money. And CD Projekt Red said, no, we don't. Yeah, maybe they'd be
0: like, think of the exposure. Situations like this are always
2: <laughs> nice. Ooh, that was
1: good. Oh, <sighs> oh, the burn. It, I, I, in those situations, yeah, I get it. I bet that dude signed a shitty contract. Yeah. But I think wasn't the rumor but was that he's like see, uh, that's the
2: thing. Video games. Who There's got to be a contract, right? This has got to be pretty clear cut. Like, where's the contract? Let's look at it. What does it say? Right? It, like, it, I'm confused. Like, how is the? No, like, where's the I room. Mean, for... And that's why they they. He won't win if the contract
3: is rock solid. But in sports, that happens all the time where people will renegotiate. They'll be, you know, and, and... but
2: then they're negotiating
1: a new contract yeah. typically. But it just happened through something I'd never heard of uh, with Friday the 13th. You're not getting new DLC for the game, so it's not news here. But the idea that a a writer, maybe not someone like him, can renegotiate something after 30 years. So they basically don't get fucked over like this. the guys who created Superman where they're given a hundred bucks for something that goes on to make a billion dollars while they starve and don't have healthcare. Uh, but that's not the situation with this author. Um, but, but more than that, like CD project red, like, dude, give the guy, give the guy some money. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> like you just sold the Netflix He's series behind your biggest success. Right? Like, just like, you know, what would make them shut up? Probably like, Half a million dollars. He'd shut up but forever. I don't think they did sell He'll the Netflix series. I
3: thought that was him,
1: right? So I think he's getting mm. money from oh,
3: that because like, that series is based on the book. But you're right. Well, yeah. Why would they? Well, why would why would they
0: go to the video? Whichever is
2: cheaper. Video game. I don't know. Yeah. Weird.
0: Yeah. Um We want to make a Chippendale Netflix series. Let's go to Capcom.
2: All I know is all of those people have more money than all of us. <laughs> <laughs> also, that was very good. That's Michael. a perfect Thank
1: analogy. You. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael's on a roll. <laughs> so get out of the way. Yeah.
3: Um, So, regardless of that, uh, you won't be seeing a Witcher game at this year's PSX because this year's PSX is no longer happening. So, Sony's Sony's Show, their PlayStation experience um, that started here in San Francisco, I want to say at Moscone, mm-hmm. um, yeah, is just not going to be a thing this year. And yeah. Sean Layton just came out and basically said we don't really have anything big to show you or share with you guys. Um, yeah. yeah, didn't you see E3? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But but actually, I think it says more about their upcoming titles. So the fact that Days Gone is supposed to be fairly soon. That's a February game. Uh, and so theoretically, they should have a lot to show about that game. And yeah. it also, to me, speaks to like, okay, how far off is Last of Us? Because maybe you would have shown some more Last of Us at this thing. Well, yeah. My
2: guess is end of next year at the earliest. I would actually not RA? even be shocked if it was a 2020 game. Mm, okay. I mean, I'm, I think it's more likely a 2019 game, but if someone was like, actually it's 2020, I'd be like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah,
0: well I mean, it, you know, it could be a lot of factors, like putting together demos, whether playable or, or just visual, like that takes a, that's like a, not a small thing for a team to do like it's not just like oh here's like a, just a vertical slice that we had sitting yeah. around like it has to be it's, it's
3: a show shows are disruptive to deaths yeah. right like getting stuff yeah, ready absolutely yeah.
0: and and yeah I'm, I'm sure that's just like yeah you know a lot of the stuff that they're working on is probably they don't have anything to show new right now or it's uh, for hardware that they won't be announcing for a while probably
2: it's interesting they won't have They're not doing more with the PSVR. I feel like everyone is kind of collectively, like, slowly backing away from VR.
1: Uh, it was, we, we, on this week's laser time, which is about technological horror, I I made some point, just after talking about Lawnmower Man, I never would have predicted the future of VR would have been, it comes out, it works, and I forget that I own it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Oh yeah, it
0: becomes, it becomes a bit of a hassle. Like, oh man, I have to put on the goggles and get the move controllers. And yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, there are a lot of like hey, freestanding. If your TV burns
1: out, it'll save your life.
2: Like Oculus has that new thing that's supposed to come out in the relative near future that's sort of like a free yeah. headset kind of situation. And that, if that actually works the way it's been advertised, that will be cool and might be enough of a game changer to get people interested again. Yeah, I yeah. feel
0: like but, it still hasn't hit that magic spot of, Accessibility and power and uh, essentialness. Like uh, there really isn't much on VR that is just like I have to have this. Yeah. I have to play this. Yeah.
1: yeah, it still feels very Gen One to me. Like Gen One hardware. What I have been seeing is is separate. I'll pay extra to play a game I like in VR to see what that mode is like. But um, I think that's the thing that became easy once games were already modified for every aspect of being viewed in any 3d angle why not create a vr patch sure and i I just bought like on sale like i never owned dirt rally but i have dirt rally vr now uh and super hot vr that's 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 cool because that's like super hot vr is actually legit
0: it's like a slightly different game than regular super Hot. yeah um, I'm not saying that there aren't legit VR games. There obviously are. It's just oh, sure. that there's nothing that's like yeah. a killer app with mass appeal. Yeah, I would agree yeah, with that. It makes
3: so yeah. Their, their upcoming stuff maybe is not in a good spot to show stuff. Their big game already came out this year, which is Spider-Man, which leads to my mm-hmm. next news item, which is: Did you guys see the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse trailer? Yes. Holy shit! And the reason Spider-Hans. I'm one of the, greatest the reason I'm bringing this up life. on a video game a podcast is. There is a little Easter egg hidden in there. You can see the PS4 Spidey suit in the background of one of the scenes just hanging there, which is super cool. But this was just a launching platform. Please, gentlemen, discuss how awesome this trailer was.
2: It's very good.
1: <laughs> and especially if you've played Spider-Man, it's no secret that Miles Morales is in the game. Um, but this suggests a larger push from Sony later this year to show you Miles Morales is the head of this movie. I don't know what DLC or the next Spider-Man game has in store, but I'm desperately hoping for a playable Miles Morales because he's different than Spider-Man. He's got he's got a Venom touch. I yo. mean, technically,
0: you can he's play as, as Miles Morales, as... Morales now, but only in specific can? sequences where he doesn't have powers. It's stealth. The stealth missions yeah. are yeah, my favorite like Marys- part yeah. of the game. Oh yeah.
1: Oh the, yes. In the worst missions <laughs> in the game, you can play as Miles. <laughs>
0: And, but no,
3: uh, I mean, and then we we were talking about earlier, uh, John Mulaney is voicing Spider- yes. Spider-Ham.
0: Yes, Spider-Ham. The, yeah. Which they changed his design a bit. He looks yeah. like uh, Hampton Pig from Tiny Toons he wearing does. a costume now. He's does. exceptionally <laughs> cartoony. As, as opposed to like the original design for Spider-Ham was like kind of short but muscular with like this weird
1: cylindrical head. Um, yeah, he looks like an Andrew. yeah, yeah. yeah. I called him Spider Pig. I'm thinking the Simpsons thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh. Very <laughs> different. Spider Ham. Peter Porker Spider I just
0: love that line. It can get weirder. Yeah. Like that little weird handshake proffering hand animation. Is...
1: Which is all wet. Yeah. His hand is all wet. <laughs> For so reasons. <laughs>
2: yeah, the, the, the line about like, do animals talk in this? I don't want to freak him out. It's so <laughs> yeah. perfect.
0: Yeah. As they're all just clustered on the ceiling. Exactly. That's such a great shot. I will
2: point out that also, in addition to John Mulaney being uh, being cast, Nick Cage yes. Yes. Is,
0: is noir, he Spider-
2: noir Spider-Man.
5: Spider-Man. What the Spider-Man fuck? Noir.
2: <laughs> like, sure. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. I'm
5: trying to be Superman eventually, okay?
2: <laughs>
5: I've got to work my way up. They're going to repossess my pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love the new Spider-Man game so much, but apparently I'm not allowed to talk about it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but but it also, highlighting Spider-Gwen. Yeah. yeah which is like the only memorable thing from Spider-Verse and she's great and I love her design I love that I love those yeah. books uh, we haven't been introduced to Gwen Stacy in the PS4 Spider-Man universe Um I wonder if we will be I wonder if she'll have powers too I hope she does this makes me all very nice. happy the idea that this, the PS4 Spider-Man could be a land where like that's just the fucking spider verse yeah. I
3: looked, there's a lot of Raimi references in this too like this straight up has the shot of him stopping the train like yeah. as, as a spider fan of the movies like it was really cool to see a lot of that stuff kind of reenacted it's all in there folks and it looks really good I guess that's coming December I want to say yeah I don't know. Last bit of news here that I really honestly don't want to talk about because we've talked about it in the past. So a new study came out, a new meta-analysis linking violent video games to aggression, which, again, I don't want to talk about it. It just makes me want to punch something in the mouth. (laughs) It's all those games you're playing. That's moving on. Mm -hmm. That's the news.
0: Well, let's move on to the community segment then, which as always is segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what – who is – who is your favorite Star Wars character that originated in a video game? Uh, do you have an answer to that, Scott? Since you weren't here last week,
2: ooh, you put me on the spot here. Yeah, um, Star Killer was all right. Yeah, the dude from uh, yeah, Force Unleashed.
0: I liked him. He was cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I'll stick with that. Sure. He could throw a lot of ships
3: around and he cool could. shit like that. There's
2: that cool trailer where he's, like, pulling down, uh, um, oh, I'm going to need the name Star of Destroyer. the ship. Star Destroyer. Star Destroyer. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to fuck that up, and I'm going to get a lot of angry comments.
0: Yep. yeah. Uh, well, first responder on com was Lasertime Rules, who says, Dash Rendar, mostly because he's the only frame of reference of an original Star Wars video game character I've played. Doesn't hurt. Shadows of the Empire was a great game, too.
2: I'm just now remembering the Knights of the Old Republic was a thing, and I can't believe I went Force Unleashed over Knights of the Old Republic. I'm ashamed of myself. Yeah. But, I, 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 uh, oh I, I well. did,
1: I did want to point, after I saw Mega Man 11 in, um, in HDR 4K, I switched my filter over to, once I had Game Pass, over to Xbox One X Enhanced Games. They went to the trouble of enhancing Fusion Frenzy? <laughs> yes,
4: yes
1: they did. <laughs> uh, Wow, and Knights of the Old Republic—that's what made me think of it. But there's like three original Xbox games in there, and that's that's one Fusion Frenzy is enhanced <laughs> for HDR. Wonderful. As if you needed another reason to get Game Pass. Lambert is dead says Star Wars Battlefront
3: Two was hyped to have some new badass Imperial heroine, but the story just ended up being a standard heel face turn campaign. But the game did have one standout character, which was Shreve, or Shriv, sorry, Lando's long-suffering Morose Duros partner, who spends most of the game aware of his thankless role as a secondary support character.
1: Uh, Sleepy Face says, as a stinking meatbag that hates other meatbags, HK-47 appealed to the dankest recesses of my misanthropic heart. Candorus was a close second for me. He stood amongst a woefully limited few in Knights of the Old uh that didn't run off at the mouth writing checks their asses couldn't cash. He had a very lucrative uh he had a very lucrative ass, if you can get my meaning. Uh also they both have my undying love for making fun of Karth. Seriously though, humans suck and so yeah, does fuck Karth. Karth. Now we know where all ass? the ass went Yeah, though?
0: because uh writing <laughs> checks your asses can't ca- can't cash. Oh, so very lucrative right. ass. His ass can cash those checks, gentlemen. Kendall Hallman says, uh,
2: Jaden core from Jedi Academy is my favorite. I don't care if the riptide and cross current books ruined the character by making Jaden a human male. Jaden will always be a Twi'lek female who wields two yellow lightsabers in my head
0: cannon. And in your game cannon. Um, <laughs> uh, the official Lazer Time Facebook community, Jesse Moore says, Love Kyle, but you guys already said that, so fuck it. Starkiller was hey! badass. hey. The Force Unleashed games were ridiculously over the top. The crazy weird endings were wacky, too. That Sam dude ended up being the voice of Darth Maul, so that's cool, too. That is cool. Yeah.
3: Owen Washington Hobbs says, and he spelled it out, so I have to go start with a... (sighs) Look, I'm not proud of this, but it's Kyle I played Jedi Knight every day after school for about the entirety of second grade. That game and its bad live-action cutscenes was my Star Wars back then, because I didn't own the movies on home video. He started out as a Han Solo type in Dark Forces 1, and then in DF2, he gets Jedi powers and a lightsaber. He had a green lightsaber like Luke, and a sardonic attitude which was unique for a Jedi, but more importantly, he had a cool beard. Even as I get older and realize what a dorky 90s Mary Sue he is, I can't not love him. And Jedi Outcast cast is hashtag not my Kyle, a blue lightsaber and not based on the likeness of soap actor turned Napa Valley wine brewer
0: Jason Court, no thanks. I don't think you brew wine, but yes, point taken. Uh, and- Ooh, parent Michael, I know things about wine. <laughs> 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 hey my palate is very refined. I'll have you know.
2: Uh <laughs> I think I, I like was it, Scott <laughs> <laughs> That makes one of
4: us
0: uh, Wasn't there like a code in Jedi Knight Where you could switch the lightsaber to red Because I, I feel like I played that every opportunity what, You I mean got. code red?
1: Yeah, yeah, code red Mountain <laughs> Dew <do> code red
5: <laughs> Why am I laughing so hard at that? Red
1: alert
0: It's been a long podcast. Everything's getting funnier. (laughs) Somebody read Trisketable. Hey, (laughs)
2: Trisketable. Also known as uh, his real name is Reese Egner, which I never knew. Uh, Mm -hmm. He says, as the phone goes dark, my parents didn't want to spend a lot of money on video games when I was growing up, so my only exposure to Star Wars after the local blockbuster stopped renting GBA games around 2002 was through whatever educational games the library had to check out. So... What? Whatever droids you could make in Star Wars Droidworks, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't play a lot of Star Wars games because growing up I didn't know much about Star Wars and didn't want to have uh, didn't want to have money go towards a series I didn't care about when I could get a new game. Come to think of it, Droidworks is actually my first exposure exposure to Star Wars period. <laughs> oh, which wow, is
1: very that's funny. Awesome. And you missed out on the opportunity to make your favorite Star Wars character a droid you actually made, which I'll do now, my favorite droid that I made in DroidWorks, R2 Goku. (laughs) (laughs) R2 Goku.
0: That's funny.
1: You lost Pit Ebb says it's cheating a little bit, but uh, my answer is Merrick Steele, the formerly canon version of the TIE Fighter protagonist. Uh, I love the escalating story of those campaigns, and you get more context with the story written about Steele in the strategy guide between missions. Uh, that's why I love strategy guides. Who doesn't? I have a friend mm. who writes strategy guides. Weird, right? They're people that mm, make those. I know. Do, I, do we know this person?
2: Uh, Maybe. His name is Adam Dietz. He writes uh, for Capcom. Hmm.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, I feel like I did. <laughs> anyway.
2: he, he did the Street Fighter V uh, guide. The end.
0: Yay. Okay, we also have two video entries this week. First is from Cody Laveau, friend of the show. Hey,
6: guys, it's the kid, Crippler, Cody Laveau. You want to talk some Star Wars? I could talk some Star Wars. Oh, he's got a red Space light sword. Yeah, check it out. So there's a lot of very obvious answers that can. Uh, be used when discussing original Star Wars character. Ow! Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna put that away. It's a lot of very o- obvious answers that you could pick for that. You know, uh, your Revans, your Maliks, um, your HK47s, your Calakatarns, your calo Nords. If you're, you know, that kind of person, I don't judge. But I think I need to pull out a little bit of a deeper cut. I'm going to say Juno Eclipse. Ooh. Remember her from the Force Unleashed series? Uh, she had a nice little face turn towards the end. Uh, very complex character. Had a nice arc. Awesome pilot. And uh, just between you and me, she is a bona fide space hottie. She's looking like a snack, as the kids say. And <laughs> Is that what the kids say? I'm okay say? with that. I guess so. All right. We'll see you guys
5: next week.
3: Does that make,
0: trust him, I don't know.
3: Does that make Cody thirsty? Is that how that works? Mm. Right, it's going to be a line in
1: a Life is Strange thirsty episode, too. AF, my friend. My dude. is <laughs> <laughs> working.
0: And finally, Tranquil Bez.
6: AVGA, hey, VGA, it's a very tired Tranquil Bez 22 here. Favorite original Star Wars character from a game, not from the movies, um, is Starkiller from Force Unleashed. Woo! You're
0: in good now, company. Yeah, I haven't
6: played a lot of that game. Like most people, I got to the trash level the first game and went, no, this is stupid. But I liked his character up to that point. Didn't look past it, just, nah. That level just went, nah, I'm good. I'm done. So, yeah. Um Looking forward to the rest <laughs> of the year. I don't know, I'm just... See ya, Matt, Michael, Chris,
0: and Forrest. Scott, my name is Scott. No, okay, let's say you didn't get my name say right. Say it's Dave. <laughs> it's it's a good it's guess. Right All right, bye, guys. Dave wishes. That's yeah, 135 where Chris is right now, so we
1: need yeah, to wrap this yeah. up by asking a
0: new question of the
1: week. What Question of the week, what podcast do I edit before bed? Will it be the 30 20, 10 bonus oh, show? <laughs> will I get bonus time up on time? Or will uh, the new episode of An Elm Street Nightmare covering Friday the 13th come out? All
0: right, well, we'll wrap this up by asking, what is your favorite, well, how did you put this, narrative-style game?
3: Yeah, and I, I said Telltale-style, uh, visual novel, uh, fucking... FMV game, I don't care. Just a game whose sole purpose is to tell a story that is not like a
0: gameplay-focused game.
2: You know, Night Trap is coming to Switch in like two weeks. I'm
0: straight. <laughs> so it has to be narrative-focused, not not gameplay-focused. So even though I think Assassin's Creed 2 is one of the best stories in gaming, uh, it can't be that. Red gaming. Dead Redemption. So, so in that case, I guess my answer would be somewhere between Tales from the Borderlands and Danganronpa. Which is amazing and addictive and fun, even though it's very, very, very anime. And in this case, I count that as a vague negative, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Scott's eyes are going wide. No, no,
2: no. What about you, Scott? Um, I'm going to remain a telltale loyalist and go with uh, The Wolf Among Us. It's hard to pick among Wolf, Tales of the Borderlands, and, and Walking Dead, but Wolf, I think... Kind of has the best staying power. Like every, I've replayed it several times and it's always great. And I always try new things and I'm always surprised by the little details that I didn't notice before. It is just incredibly written, incredibly well cast, uh, just all around one of my favorite experiences in any kind of interactive medium.
1: That's right. There's there's a couple things in there you can just keep fucking with and get different yes responses, can. like the monkey. Mm. Yeah. And, and Scotty, that, that is my answer hey. as well. And not, not to throw shade, but like, when I discovered, when I played Walking Dead for uh, the Telltale game, the comic was already one of my favorite things in the universe, and it was just this wonderful compliment. Uh, I actually like Wolf Among Us for every reason Scott said, but I like it more than the comic itself. Yeah, I agree. Which I, I fall in and out of love with periodically. Um, very quickly, I get really pissed at that comic for some reason, and just kind of roll my eyes and put it down for a few years. Uh, but I never felt that way with the game, and I was vaguely familiar with the world already, so I I really, really dug it.
3: Uh, so I love Wolf Among Us, that's my favorite Telltale game. My favorite narrative game, though, is Life is Strange Season 1. Um, Hmm, it's kind of a lot of the reasons I mentioned earlier, like, I think it's, it's this really great slice of life game that it's all about the little moments. It is, like, I love the characters, like, they, they really, you know, you feel like they're like friends and stuff by the, by the time you're done with it. And then going and playing the prequel with Chloe was just like getting to see more of her story was, was wonderful. And so for me, yeah, I really just, it was something, I mean, the story itself, like it's cool. It's, it's, I don't know, but that's, that game's not necessarily even about strictly the narrative. It's just like how it tells the stories and its style. Like that game has got style. And, and I think it's a really special series. Um, if you haven't played season one, go back and play that.
0: And then yeah, pick up season two because it, because it's out now. So what is your favorite narrative focused game? Uh, whether Telltale style or something else completely? Let us know. Go to com. Answer in the comments under episode 284. Uh, answer in the comments, or you can go to the go join the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There will be a thread there for you to answer, or you can hit us up on Twitter, at VG Apocalypse, and uh, send your answer that way. Are there any avenues I'm missing?
3: Those are the three.
0: All right. Those are the ones I check. That's been our show. Um, Scott, since you're the guest, we're, we're going to go out with a round of plugs. Uh, do you have... Any any place anything you'd like people to look at? Uh, yeah, my resume. resume for yeah, <laughs>
2: that'd be that'd be uh, top of the list. Mm-hmm. What's your
3: LinkedIn URL? Let's go ahead and plug that. <laughs> you'll you'll find me. Okay. I'm on the internet. All right, yeah. all right. Um, I recently made an appearance. Uh, if you like wrestling and if you enjoy my stealth references to wrestling on this show uh, from time to time, I made an appearance on the Potty Slam podcast um, where. I'm on. I'm, I'm actually. I think I'm going to be on two episodes coming up. Uh, one of the episodes we we focused on the NES classic pro wrestling uh, game, and then on the other we talked about a, a warrior behind the scenes story. So check me out there on the Potty Slam co- podcast, and then if you just want to check me out on Twitter, I'm at Maddie C Allen.
1: Yeah, baby. Um. Uh. We have a bunch of Elm Street Nightmare episodes in the can. They will start unspooling. Fast and Furiously. Oddly, or most likely more than one a week. So you better become a patron because that's the only way to hear them. Uh, For the price of a cup of coffee, you can support this show. Uh, Get a brand new episode of the 302010 bonus show, which is really, really dope this week. But most importantly, oh, this bonus time... Everything you've ever wanted know, to know about having a vasectomy, but were afraid to ask. Uh, it's, Ooh, it's a very <laughs> odd <good>. show. <laughs> I was going to ask, Chris. So, where
3: is Elm Street Nightmare going to appear? Is that just on the Patreon? The just Patreon on feed?
1: Patreon, uh, as it were. Unless the, we miraculously unlock it, but you know.
3: But but in but if you if you have the Patreon feed on your your podcast catcher app or whatever, right. will it, it appear? Should there as be well? fine. Cool. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, that's been our show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, or me personally, at WikiPara's. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.
3: Never mind. You sure you want to commit to that segue? (laughs) Cutting in, cutting out. Um,
2: I'll take failed segues for a (laughs) hundred, Alex. (laughs) Cutting that shit out.
3: Um, No, leave that in. My joke
2: was funny. Yeah, Yeah, your joke
3: was good. That's true. (laughs) Um, That's the secret sound.
2: Or did I?